Welcome, this is Beyond the Hate, Mount Rushmore edition. I'm Steve. I'm John. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah, and tag teams. Yes, uh, and I uh, had a new interesting way to do it. I um, looked on a bunch of sites and found their uh, top list uh, for the actual wrestlers. I went on Collider, Bleacher Report, and the Wrestling Estate. And found uh, all their top people, and then put some people in a in a little bin uh, that we're gonna draw out and talk about. That doesn't mean that people that aren't pulled out might not be the Mount Rushmore at the end of the episode. And I did the same thing with the tag teams, and I pulled from uh, Sports Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, for the tag teams, Bleacher Report's usually pretty good with that sort of stuff. So. Uh, yeah, so we have a bunch of names, so what we're going to do is we're going to take turns pulling them out of these these buckets, and we're going to talk about them, and um, like I said, just because they're not in this this bucket or this pool doesn't mean that they cannot be, you know, on Mount Rushmore. So whenever you hear this stuff, you know, this is just... You got to wait till the end. Yeah, this is just opinion of other sites that I found to be the greatest of all time. But this is all random because I don't know what we're gonna draw, whenever we draw out of these. Yeah, so we're we're probably gonna talk about it briefly because we have a lot of names to go through. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna have to just kind of like cover them just a little bit and just see like maybe we should you know set them aside and be like yeah maybe we should keep that as an option. But Steve, back in 1984, Ric Flair, shut the fuck up, get to the point. <laughs> get to the point. Yeah. Uh, we're we're not, I'm not actually interested in uh, either. I'm also I don't think how many championships you won in wrestling. Um means anything about you being the greatest wrestler of all time no in my opinion but that's another discussion so um john go ahead and uh did you want to start with tag teams or do you want to start with single competition wrestlers let's start off with a tag team first okay so the tag set, team gonna, back again i'm gonna set the red pan to the side so i'll let you go ahead and pull the first name are these cookie tins? <laughs> these are cookie tins. Old, old school cookie tins. Oh, we started off with uh, some heavy hitters. Oh, what a rush. The Legion of Doom slash the Road Warriors. So, uh... Woo, that's a heavy hitter to get first. So, pretty much uh, every site that I've ever been to considers this the greatest tag team of all time. Yeah. Um, do you agree with that, or do you, in your experience, watching it? Because it's all based it's so... on what you're able to watch and what you know yourself. Right. Well, that's um, the thing, because, like, what I remember of the Road Warriors, right, was the the little bit of the, that run that they had in WWE during the Attitude Era. I remember that when they came back, and it was, like, Legion of Doom 2000, and they had Sonny as their manager and stuff for that little, like, return and then I remember them a little bit from when they were the Legion of Doom in the older WWE. Like, it was the 80s, right? It was in the 80s. Right. And, uh, see, the only... I, I, I don't remember a lot of them because they weren't in WWE for very long. They were in, like, different territories and doing stuff. And they also wrestled in Japan. So I didn't see, like, a ton of them. So to me... 
I watched more of like Demolition and the Heart Foundation and the Rockers and like that type of stuff. That was more of like what I watched. I didn't watch them as much. Now, the thing I will say about Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors, whatever you want to call them, because they were Legion of Doom in WWE and they were like the Road Warriors everywhere else that they wrestled. Uh, The main thing I'd say about them is that they, as far as like a tag team that stayed together pretty much their entire career, like together as a team, they were a very, very good team. But the thing was, is that I, I didn't watch a ton of their stuff. So I don't think of them as highly as I might think of like the Hart Foundation or like the Rockers, for example. Because I watched more of their matches, so to me, Sean and Marty and Brett and Anvil did more than the Road Warriors. I know some okay. people are going to be like, yeah, John, but the Road Warriors are like the greatest team ever. I didn't watch a ton of their stuff, and I didn't watch anything besides WWF at that point. Okay, so we have vague knowledge of them. We do recognize that they are one of the greatest tag teams of all time, but will they make her a Mount Rush more or less? Because... Uh, there's a bunch of no- other. This names. is our list. Yeah, this is our list. So this is shit we've like, seen. You can't be like, oh, well, your list is wrong, and it's like, this is this, opinion. This is subjective. Right. So, um, Don't twist your panties up. So I'm gonna grab one, and I got the Midnight Express. Oh yeah, okay. Okay. So this is this the Midnight Express that uh, Cornette was the manager of Jim Cornette. Yes, I, I yeah I believe so. So a lot of people consider the Midnight Express one of the greatest tag teams of all time. A little before our time. Yeah, a good bit before. Like I was a fetus when they were like so, champions. So <laughs> yeah, I vaguely remember them, but I do know who they are, and I do know they were great. Uh, so they were kind of like, um, I know I heard some people say that like, um, uh, that like the young bucks, like, like Nick and Matt took a lot of inspiration from midnight express. I would actually think that they might've took a little bit more inspiration from the rock and roll express. Yeah. Uh, probably a little bit of both because there are, there are a couple expresses back then, but like this is a this is a tag team a lot of people consider one of the greatest tag teams of all time. The problem is is that the only time that I've really ever seen them wrestle was when they were old, I think in WWE like in sometime in the mid 90s when Vince was willing to have some of these tag teams come in from uh, they were from Smoky Mountain Wrestling and they did like a thing where like some of the like I think Undertaker went to go wrestle in Smoky Mountain for a few term a few times to to promote events and I remember the uh, Midnight Express coming over with the tag belts from Smoky Mountain and actually defending it on WWE stuff because I remember watching some of that stuff but like literally I think I might have seen maybe 3 of their matches so to me I don't rate them super high because I didn't personally see them that much. I know that they have a, a great history and they're considered legends. I just didn't watch them that much because I'd never right. watched Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So we're, we're going off our own personal opinions. Right. So we're, we're going off our experience, what we've actually we're, seen. We won't spend a ton of time on... Uh, Ooh. Hey, yo. It's the Outsiders. The Outsiders. Now, we, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Yeah, this is uh, basically the... Uh, you know uh, the, the best part of the NWO, 
the NWO. Right, <laughs> the best part of the NWO. Uh, so, get fucked, so Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> the Outsiders also, you know, it's kind of like the base of what NWO ended up being, and there was a lot of things that contribute to the NWO. But if you ever watched the Outsiders before, the Outsiders basically, whenever they came to WCW. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash actually probably didn't change that much. They pretty much just stayed the outsiders, but in the NWO. Right. Um, their promos got a little bit better, but Kevin Nash was one of those guys that wasn't able to talk as much in the WWF. Then he got the WCW, and uh, Bischoff is like, yeah, say whatever you want to say, Kevin Nash. And then you're just like, yeah. This is somebody that WWF's been holding back for a little while. Yeah. Well, and that was the that was the problem because Vince the reason why Sean was put with uh I think Diesel, right, with Kevin Nash was because he didn't think he was good on the mic, so he was like, Well, have Sean be his mouthpiece. And it's like Sean we know can do promos. It's like, but Nash can do promos too. Yeah. Sean He just didn't really get a chance to do it because Sean was the, the talker out of the two. Yeah, Sean, one of the greatest promoters of all time. Kevin Nash, also one of the greatest promoters of all time. Cause don't forget what the promos mean. Promos mean that you're promoting a product. Yeah, you're you're promoting a pay-per-view, you're promoting the next week on Raw. Or whatever you're trying to sell. What you're was trying Kevin to... Nash for WCW the best at? Why did WCW whoop uh, WWF's ass for months? For because about Kevin... a year and it was almost two years. Because Kevin Nash would almost always open up shows and come out. And you would have Scott Hall start off things with, hey yo. Hey yo. Because he was addressing, he would say a little bit of thing, and then he'd hand the mic over to Kevin Nash, and then Kevin Nash would finish the basically promo. ran the show. Yeah, he basically ran WCW for like two years. Yeah, <laughs> and he's a guy that Vince didn't think had mic skills. Now, sure, he acquired some of those or most of those mic skills from Shawn Michaels. Right, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter whenever you can still do them. You know, Triple H got his skills from Sean, too, to be honest. Yeah, and at that point, you know, what Triple H has done is like, yeah, but Triple H learned everything from Sean. Yeah, but he learned it. I'm pretty sure Sean's tried to teach other people that's failed. Right. These people learned it and just attain it to every single workday that they have. So we're not going to spend too much time on that because I could talk about that for a while. I just have one point to make. Remember when Shawn Michaels had his wrestling school when he retired and he had the, his little wrestling academy? Yes. Who was the only person that came out of that that was worth a shit? Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. One person out of that class was actually able to do but promos. that person. Yeah, that <laughs> one guy. If, if Shawn didn't do anything else with his wrestling school, he at least brought us Daniel Bryan. That proves I'm just going to leave that right Shawn there. Shawn Michaels can teach you all he wants, but you still have to apply it. Right. And I'm pretty sure Shawn's taught hundreds of people since he's been in wrestling because he was always that way. He might have messed up his own personal life, but he always tried to help other people. Yeah. Always. The only person that he really had like serious beef with was Brett, but that's because him no, and Brett... No, no, no. He didn't have beef with Brett. Vince had beef with Brett, and Sean was put in the middle of it. 
Yeah. That is the truth about that. We're not going to even quibble over that. That's <laughs> the truth. Vince wanted that. Sean didn't want that. Sean would have been okay losing that. Well, yeah, especially if you go back and you look at the Montreal screw job. Sean was pretty pissed about how they did that. Sean didn't but, know. So, it's, yeah. it's okay. You know, he, he didn't have... Everything's okay. cool now. So, yeah. the next one is... The Hardy Boys. No. <laughs> Team Extreme. This, we do know something about Well, we know a lot about the Hardy Boys, yeah. Like, when I, you know, because I remember being, because uh, well, that was teenage years. We were in high school watching this stuff, and it's like, the the Hardy Boys and Lita, they were like, it, it was like the perfect combination because whereas like DX had China, who was like a bodybuilder, you know, she was the muscle of the group, and you're like the woman was the muscle. China was the fucking muscle in a group that had Shawn Michaels and Triple H in it. Lita was like the cool chick that worked so well with the Hardys because she could actually wrestle their style. And it's like when you look at like just Matt and Jeff on their own, look at how many teams were like we have to do some Hardy Boys type shit. You wouldn't have had the tag team division that you would have had at that time without Matt and Jeff. Like there, Matt and Jeff, and Edge and Christian, especially without those four guys, that tag team division wouldn't have been the same. To me, yeah, that's the way I feel because it's like Matt and Jeff. They had their own style. That had tag teams. This era, this modern day era, has no tag teams. Oh, yeah, so you're telling me that uh, fucking Cesaro and, and Shinsuke Nakamura, that's not a tag team? That's not a tag team. That's not team. a tag team. For one, Cesaro. What about Cesaro and Sheamus? That's not a tag not team? Not also a tag team. Oh, that's, that's, that because sucks. Because for, for one, Sheamus is a multiple-time champion as a single wrestling, and which he, which is what he should be doing. He should be doing. And Cesaro also should be doing singles championship wrestling. But Vince don't know how to use him. But these people, Shinsuke Nakamura is 45 years old and a multiple time <laughs> champion in all European and Asian competitions. He's one of the greatest wrestlers on the planet and he's in some fucking bullshit tag team with Cesaro. Which also should be going for championships. This would be like getting AJ Styles to the WWF and then using him in a tag team with Chad Gable. Yeah. And be like, oh, both great wrestlers, but is this what they should be doing? Right. But that's the thing. Back in the Attitude Era, right, like the Hardy Boys, they were one of those tag teams. It's like once they finally got it there and they made it, remember they had Doc Hendricks was their manager there for a little bit because Doc Hendricks was going to show them because he was part of the fabulous Freebirds and he was going to, you know, he's going to mold them into like champions. And then eventually you're like, these guys do not need a manager. You can't. Like at all. <laughs> the, the thing about it is you can't. This is, this is true. You cannot build tag teams. You either have a tag team or you don't. Right. The Harlem Heat, tag team. Right. Uh, the Hardy Boys, tag team. Yeah. The Dudleys, tag, tag team. team. The Edge and Christian, tag team. Tag teams have to be formed over years. That's why stuff like the Rock and Sock connection didn't work. So oh, yeah. You're trying to make, like, uh, like Sean and Austin a tag team and shit like that. That lasted, like, a month, didn't that it? That shit doesn't work because they have, they have chemistry against each other. 
but they don't know how to work. Tag teams work differently than regular singles matches. Yeah. And even faction matches it works differently. But let, let's go let's go on to the next one. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so we're still in the same era. The Dudley Boys. The Dudley Boys. So we have uh, Bubba Ray, not Bully Ray. Yeah, and Bubba have, Ray, not Bully Ray. Bully Ray is bullshit. Uh, uh, Dudley, which is basically like brothers in wrestling. They're right. basically born to be each other's brothers in wrestling. Right. And Devon is still one of Bubba's like best friends. Yeah. Because like even uh, Devon, I mean, uh, Bubba's a little loony. <laughs> Especially if you ever listen to his uh, podcast that he does. He's a little crazy person. He's a little But I little try crazy. to avoid that and just go by what he's done in the ring so I don't try to get into it. In the ring, some of the best tag team stuff ever. Even whenever they're just doing, whenever they were doing just silly stuff back in the day. They no, what's like, up? Uh, I, I, I want to say that they had a tag team net match uh, with them two and as against Al Snow and Head, which is his little mannequin doll head. Right, yeah. And basically it lasted like two or three minutes. And they basically like put uh, Al Snow through the table with the doll or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, this should be like a match or just like, this is garbage, turn it off. But it was actually pretty funny. Right. And that's the thing, like, because remember, uh, they even had the thing where it was, um, uh, was it, was it Mae Young? I think it was, like, Mae Young, and she was, like, she had, like, a neck brace, and they've, a uh, fucking, um, uh, Bubba Ray, like, power bombed her through a table, and, because uh, I, I think I remember Jim Ross's commentary was, like, she's 80 years old, or whatever, like, she's 70 that's years old. Messed up. I don't remember yeah. that. Yeah, like, they did that. Like, they literally, like, powerbombed her through a table, and she had, like, a neck brace and everything on. I remember that. The neck brace was obviously fake. Well, yeah. And she could, I mean, she was, I think, okay to take a bump like that to go through the table. But that was the thing. Like, they were part of, like, some of the greatest tag matches of that era. Like, the TLC matches were elevated because of the Dudleys and their, like, creative, badass use of tables. Okay. Now, speaking of that... Uh, I just pulled Edge and Christian. <laughs> we did not plan this. This is totally random to have all of them together so, back to back. Edge and Christian is one of the tag teams that most people consider the greatest tag team of all time. And I think, uh, championships aside that they won, the matches that they had, uh, the fact that they started off as the Brood. Oh, yeah, the Brood. Oh, uh, man. Uh, with Gangrel. With Gangrel, yeah, and that uh, badass music and the blood cups and shit. Oh, that was so awesome. Blood bath! <laughs> and the lights would go off and whoever they were, like, in a feud with would just be covered in blood. Oh, man. That well, was the shit. totally stole that shit from them after that. That where he's putting blood on the crowd. He totally stole that shit from Gangrel and the, the brood. <laughs> uh, because he wasn't doing that until that. Yeah, because he was start. Um, he started having like guitars filled with like fake blood and stuff like that, and it's like, yeah, this is the same era. It's like ninety seven, ninety eight. Edge and Christian or Blade. It's it's around the same time. Yeah, because that's um, the same era. Yeah, or maybe both. <laughs> Edge and Christian might have stole it from Blade, but Rob Zombie definitely stole it from both of them. Um, because uh, Rob was also helping them do music for the WWE pay per views. So I mean, hey. Yeah. 
you might have a conspiracy Thief. theory. Thief! Yeah. Uh, but also, it does help that Edge and Christian both of them want to have their own pretty um, successful... Uh... Edge especially. But Christian actually had a pretty badass career in TNA. Cr- like Christian's best thing that he did as a solo was his rivalry with Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he uh, was uh, Captain Charisma Christian... Was yeah. that it? Yeah, yeah. Or was it when he was doing the peeps thing? No, it was the Captain Charisma. Captain Charisma versus Jericho? Uh, because Christian, you know, he can do promos very good. And uh, I think... Still can. I think Christian uh, learned a lot about how to do promos whenever he got in the rivalry with um, uh, Chris Jericho. Because one of the greatest... I still say, and maybe a bunch of people argue with me, but this is my own personal opinion. I think Chris Jericho is better at promos than The Rock. Oh, that's pretty controversial, but because, I'm with you on that. Because I think, this is the reason why I think there's more context to Chris Jericho's promos than The Rock's. Because The Rock's always fall in the same guidelines. If you smell what The Rock is cooking... Roll up your candy ass. His are his his promos are predictable. Who knows what Chris Jericho is going to say? Right. But what he says is going to keep you on the edge of your seat every time. And that's from uh, WCW to AEW, and you know, the New Japan and everything. So I think that Chris Jericho is a better promoter, uh, is a promo artist than The Rock. And I think the only person, the only person alive today that can rival. Chris Jericho and promos is Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I don't know where I would, I would draw the line on that. I would probably still lean a little bit more to Chris Jericho, but Stone Cold can, goddamn, he can bring it. So right. I, don't, I don't know where I'd put that uh, promo-wise. I don't I don't know who I'd go with. But Chris Jericho, I think, is one That of might them. be a discussion we get into when we get into like the, the single wrestler Yeah, that, that'll be something we talk about. That'll yeah, be on the back half. Christian, okay, let's, let's see who you draw on the back team. Try yeah. to... Mix it up a little bit here. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express. Okay, the Rock and Roll Express also was before our time. Right. Very before. Um, I don't think I've ever actually seen a match of theirs. This is just somebody else that they're... Yeah, I don't think I have either. Uh, I, I think this is just somebody else that they were just like, this is one of the greatest uh, wrestling tag teams of all time. And but unless like, you saw like matches in like 1977 in fucking Memphis or something, how the fuck? Like the newer generation's not gonna know who those guys are, really. Yeah, I wanted to put this all in the pot because I'm like, well, this is who I see on all the lists, right? That I've looked up, so we're gonna talk about it. But we don't know a lot about these guys. Yeah, and I also get the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express confused. Because the the team that I was talking about earlier about how um, you know like the young bucks borrowed from them, I think I was actually talking about the Rock and Roll Express, not the Midnight Express, because I get them confused. That's why I was I even mentioned I was like I think you mean the Rock and Roll Express. So. I'm pretty sure yeah yeah I think I did mean the Rock and Roll Express. Uh, okay, so we can't really talk about them for too long, but. The other one that I've seen on many lists is this one, and we do know a little bit about this one. It's the Harlem Heat. Yes. Uh, Can you dig it, <laughs> sucker? And this one was really good because this is, to me, I might be wrong, but this was the first introduction to like an all-black tag team 
Right? Is it? Is it? Was it? Uh, they had a team. Oh man! And if you want to go, Harlem Heat. If you like want to go back in the day, there was a team at one point successful. that was successful. Because Ron Simmons and um, I think it was Tony Atlas. They were like they were like a black tag team for a while until WCW wanted Ron Simmons to be the world champ, and they kind of broke him out of that and made him like a Damn. singles wrestler. Damn! Um, I love but, him in APA. I know he's not in this. How no many people? APA, one of the greatest tag teams ever, which is a shame. We do definitely. We would. They would be on our fucking list. They were definitely one of the most entertaining. Damn oh, definitely. Especially like remember when they they recruited a Jacqueline to be oh, like the man. female NBA, and they would start getting into. They would start playing poker backstage, waiting for cigars. somebody with the cigars. And they started playing poker backstage, waiting for somebody to come That's up so and put a bounty on somebody so they go whoop somebody's ass. And they got Jacqueline so that like she could go take out like, other chicks in the roster. And they wouldn't have like, hey man, we're not gonna hit women. Do you remember Jacqueline can hit them though? Do you remember the episode Kurt Angle hired APA to go uh, uh, eliminate the Undertaker? Oh yeah, I think I do. I think I do. Do you remember what happened to Kurt Angle in that episode? Oh, I don't really remember. No, he got fucking destroyed. (laughs) APA refused to fucking fight the Undertaker. Well, yeah, because I mean. Even with the two of them against the Undertaker, they're still outnumbered. Yeah, because Kurt Angle got out there. He's like, "Yeah, get him and get him," and they're just they both like turned around on him. He's like, "Oh no!" But I hired uh, you guys. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. There's not any. Yeah, we're not fighting Taker, man. Because that was uh, that was Biker Taker. At yeah, that, that was point. the Biker Taker. It was you the badass Taker. Yeah, they were they started off as uh, uh, the apostles. The uh, the ac- the acolytes. Acolytes. That's right. They yeah. were a part of uh, his ministry where they were like uh, servants under the Undertaker, and then they split off and made the Acolytes Protection Agency. And it's like the APA was one of the greatest fucking tag teams of that era. Don't at me. Like, they definitely were. Oh, uh, 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 Bradshaw's freaking clothesline from hell is one of the most brutal moves mm-hmm. I've ever seen him wrestle. Right, yeah. Him and Farouk, yeah, Bradshaw and Farouk, they were pretty badass. Yeah, I, whenever he'd clothesline you, I'd be like, oh, shit, this is the single wrestlers now. Oh, okay. Well, should we go ahead and take a break Let's then? Let's take a break and we'll come back and get to the single wrestlers. And then we'll, at the end of the episode, we'll, t- we'll say who's the Mount Rushmore of both. Of uh, both, yes. Yes. Come on! And we're back. Do you do you notice that uh, one of the lyrics in his original song was, uh, 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 "You know that I'm your Judas and you're my priest." Right. Yeah. And then now he has a, a song that's called Judas. Judas. Which is yeah. His intro song for AEW. Yeah. He also has a move that's called the Judas is the Judas just, effect. That's just so weird, right? Right. That's not a you know uh, a prophecy or anything. Jericho is not a prophet. He makes a lot of profit. Yeah. Okay, so you started the tag team round. I'm going to start the single competition round. This is where it starts to get and juicy. And also, uh, I think I should mention that if you didn't, uh, when we were doing the tag team thing, because at break, me and John was having this discussion, we're not including factions. 
because they're separate from tag teams, even if they competed as tag teams. Right, so like the Four didn't... Horsemen, DX, the NWO, the Hart Foundation. They're suited. We're talking about just purely tag teams. Like that's why the Flock's not in it and stuff. The like Nation that. of Domination with the Farouk. Nation of Domination. Yep. Although they didn't win, win that many tag team champions. Uh, D'Lo and Mark Henry were tag champs. I think like twice or something. Yeah. So it was D'Lo and Mark Henry. They were the tag team of that group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the first person on my list is HBK, the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn <laughs> Michaels. Did you plan that? Nope, I literally okay. just pulled that out. But this is crazy that's the first one I get because uh, if anyone knows anything about me, he is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. If not my favorite wrestler of all time, this is Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid. Right. Who is a better performer? Who is a better you know, uh, own mic personality. Who is a better person to teach the new generation? Who is someone that um, brought more to wrestling than Shawn Michaels besides maybe someone like Andre the Giant? This dude has... I'm, I'm, uh, this guy has to be considered one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. The stuff... Look the, at how much money he was able to make for WWF at a time when they were... Kind of having an issue because NWO is kicking their ass in WCW. And guess who ends up winning the championship in 1996? Shawn Michaels. And then who ends up winning the the, the, the war of uh, you know WCW versus WWF? It was WWF. Why? I mean, I think Shawn Michaels is a big reason. You have The Undertaker, Stone Cold. Bret Hart. Bret Hart, obviously. The Rock came later. Yeah, because um, you're so, talking about 90s. So you can't really say The Rock had anything to do with it, but Brett Stone Cold, The Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels is the only reason that you have a WWE now. Right. Um, and the reason that Stone Cold got the championship, the first time that Stone Cold won the world championship was against who at WrestleMania? Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Texan. And why, why was he willing to lose that is because he knew it was good for the company. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to drop the belt to Stone Cold. He had enough power and pull, and he's put in enough work. But he thought it was a great idea. He thought it was an amazing idea. And it would and, give him opportunity to save his back, too. Because I watched that pay-per-view, and I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan. But do you know who I was rooting for in that match? I was rooting for Stone Cold. Why? Because the storyline was perfect. Yeah. It even made me want Stone Cold to win that. Because what happened after that? Who became Stone Cold's rival after that? It was him and McMahon. It was because he hated the fact that Sean had lost the title to, to Stone Cold, and Stone Cold did not want to be a company man. And not only that. It was perfect. How many times have you ever seen anyone reverse a super kick? Like the you know sweet chin music. When have you ever seen that in the history? Which is you know reversing finishers now is just whatever. It's like everyone, everybody does it every five seconds. Everyone does it every five seconds. But back in the day when you did a finisher, no one stopped it. It was over. It was done. Especially if it was Shawn Michaels sweet chin music, and he went to go do that to Stone Cold. Stone Cold caught it, spun him around, stunned him. One, two, three, Stone Cold, the new world champion. And right. it changed everything. And as much as I am of a HBA, HBK fan, it, it did do 
only good things for wrestling. For and Sean, you know, Sean had to go. You know, he had to leave for a little while to go. You know, get back surgery and stuff. He also um, had to get off of like the alcohol and the pills and all the some, shit he was he on. He had some issues, but but he, that that definitely that definitely changed his life, and he also helped the company doing it. The company wouldn't be the same without Sean. It just wouldn't. That that is a fact. You can't just be like, well, someone else could have. No, they couldn't have. Nobody else. No one else in that entire company could have done what Sean did for the company. And then he would. And then he would have DX and all this other stuff where he also boosted up Triple H. And he also like look at. And then he also kind of. They also uh, changed uh, a lot of the female perception by bringing in China. And the stuff that they could do with China. It's like a lot John of that shit was all Sean. It was all Sean. Also, Sean, Sean's the reason that you basically had a women's division at all. But let's get to the next wrestler. We can't spend all night just on Shawn Michaels. Steve could. Uh, yeah, Steve could, could do a three-hour thing about just Shawn Michaels. I could do an entire podcast series on Shawn Michaels. Okay, so this, this is definitely going to be one of them. It's The Rock. If the you, Rock. If, if you, you smell what the rock, rock is cooking. cooking. One of the most electrifying men in sports entertainment. Um, you know, he, he's done a lot of roids in his life. I'll give him that. Uh, <laughs> but not anymore, though. He's all natural now. That's a lie. <laughs> There's no way you can get that big. No, you can you can so little. You can so look long. at Rock from like 1997 and then look at him at like uh, like 2000 and you're like, "Holy fuck, dude. Dude did some roids. You did so some you you yeah, you took a shortcut. You <laughs> did some roids. You had some no HGH or something. You can go from just like fit, to, you know, good fit, which is it's all up to you. Your only job is to be physically fit and be funny basically. That's his movies that he does. And just be able to do action scenes. Yeah, That's I'm your job. really big and muscular, so I mean, I mean, there's no harm in what he's doing. He's not hurting anyone. It's not like actual no. sports competitions or anything. So whatever, who cares? Um, but whenever you see The Rock, The Rock used to be like, he he was one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, like whenever he showed up, if there's some bullshit going down, like whenever they like was bullying like mankind or something like that, because like Vince would do that sometimes just to, because he knew Foley could do it. Yeah. And then just be getting bullied and stuff. It's like, no one's going to help you. You're garbage. And then you hear, if you smile and they're like, Oh, you better get your ass kicked. Vince. Yeah. <laughs> you want to get rock bottom, bitch. You better it get out of there. No matter how many people he had out there, he could have had like six people. It was like, Oh yeah, the rock's about to kick that ass. <laughs> He could have had fucking Gerald Briscoe, Pat Patterson, Bruce Pritchard, his whole fucking yeah, staff. Yeah, you would have heard if you smell, you're like, oh, that ass is about to get kicked, son. He'd have a rock bottom for every one of them sons of bitches too. And the other thing too that was that was great about Rock was his ability to his backstage promos were like probably the funniest of all time. Like and when he would oh, be like, great. like when he would be like, uh, what was the name? He was like that. Uh, he's kind of like that pudgy, uh, pudgy white guy. It was like uh, Kevin something. I forget his name, but he was like, let me ask you a question. Do you like strudel? <laughs> yeah. You know, and he would just he would fuck with that dude so bad. But you're like he could, but he could he, he could sell a, a match against like Kane. 
he can make matches against like the Undertaker, great Stone Cold, obviously because that was his greatest rivalry ever. None of these things you're saying is impressive, though. Those those aren't the things that he did that are impressive to make matches against Stone Cold or Kane or Undertaker. Press it's one The Rock would 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 go and wrestle these matches on Raw against people like D'Lo Brown, and you'd be like, that match was fucking awesome. And you're like, I wasn't expecting that out of D'Lo and The Rock. Like, what yeah, the fuck, and, you know? And then, then you would have, like, uh... Like, uh, when he, when he uh, turned Hard, against Hardcore Farouk and... Holly. Like, he had, like, an entire, like, small rivalry because Hardcore Holly was, like, all racist and shit. I don't know if y'all guys remember that angle. Vince went there. Yeah. Um, Vince but, actually used the N-word live on air, too. Yeah, he went there. He made Hardcore Holly, which is... Uh, the guy that plays Hardcore Holly isn't a racist. He... No. He, He's a really hardcore Bob Holly is yeah, definitely not a racist. Bob Holly is not a racist, and they made him like go the racist angle with the Rock for like a month or two. And they did like they did like two pay per views with that, didn't yeah, they? They did like Something two like pay per views, and uh, the matches were fucking amazing, and they were stupid. Right, it would just be like. Oh, you you know you should be here. You know, white man's better wrestler than you and stuff. And it was, it was so cringy when he's doing the promos because you didn't you knew he didn't believe anything he was saying. He was because, just doing it because Vince wanted him. Yeah, to. it's like yeah, let's have like a white man degrade a black dude, but we'll have you know the Rock win in the end. It's like yeah, that's literally the only outcome you could have had in that. Yeah, was that back when uh, he was still in the nation, or he was out of the nation? He by was that? way out of the nation. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just when he was the Rock. Because the really Nation of Domination was kind of like, hey, why don't we take uh, the Black Panther like group, like the militant group, and turn them into wrestlers? You know, it's like, yeah, it, whoa. Literally, he had an entire rivalry against the Rock. Had his own rivalry against Farouk and the entire nation because he was challenging him for leadership of the nation. Yeah. Okay, so let's get another one here. Let's get. Uh, uh, Triple H. Oh, okay. I got my first two people are like DX members. Right. Um, okay, so Triple H. The game. The game. Uh, always remember, like, most of his grateful successes in my memory were actually matches that he lost, which is why that later in his career he decides to win matches that he shouldn't win. Like the one because, against Sting? Like the one is against Sting. And like... Uh, and even like... Uh, as against Batista. Um, yeah, Batista should have whooped his ass. Yeah, I mean, Batista would whoop his ass in real life, so... <laughs> have you ever looked at that dude? Yeah, the dude would crush. Uh, but like Triple H, like his career was basically built on like epic losses. Like if you remember anything about Triple H, like his 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 crowning success was how good, how bad ass he could fucking lose to right. these these other people. Then when he got a taste of wins and uh, you know the the, the daughter McMahon, it's like oh <laughs> the yeah. Stephanie effect. Yeah, he was like just like I'm gonna win everything. Yeah, because I remember like when Triple H was you know taking over basically with Stephanie, and they were doing like the like that Reign of Terror where he was like fucking with Jericho and he was fucking with Booker T, and he had all these like rivalries where he would just be like, no, you gotta drop the belt. Uh, you know, you did something illegal. That match doesn't count. The like vein, he did all that shit. The, but 
you cannot, the one thing that I will say is that you cannot deny his work ethic because he's been at that company since like, what, 1995? He is a hard worker. He is one of the best people this company's ever had. He's a he's a protege of Shawn Michaels. Right. But the thing, I think, in this episode, and you might disagree with me, that will keep him off the mound, is his multiple championship wins that he had while he was in power that he gave to himself. Right. Because he had Vince in his pocket. The unearned championships. Not the storyline unearned championships. Whenever he was the authority and he gave himself four title wins. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, but you know. That taints Triple H to me. But the rest of his career, stellar. Could make a fucking great match. He even had a good match against 1996 Ultimate Warrior, who was a fuck mess. One of the greatest, so, one of the most fun matches I've ever watched is that, uh, I forget which pay-per-view was. It Was it Bad Blood? I, I might be wrong, but he had a pay-per-view against Kurt Angle. Um, uh, was um, that No Mercy? Might have been No Mercy. I don't even Bad know Blood, it was one of those. I don't even know if it was... Backlash? For, was it Backlash, maybe? Maybe. I don't even know if it was for a championship, but I remember that match, and it was fucking epic right it was one of the greatest like one of the greatest matches i've ever seen in my life well kurt angle at that time was pretty fucking great so yeah kurt angle was one of those guys that could make you hate him but also respect the shit out of him you would watch him every time he he entered you know the arena you'd be like ah fuck kurt angle but let's see what he does let's see what happens in this match though because i'm interested about this and that's how you knew that's how you knew he was gonna work because that's how how you put asses in the seats hills don't work like kurt angle hills anymore no 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 let's let's see who we get here okay um Ooh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Uh, yeah. Just when you think you have all the answers, I change the questions. Yeah. Um, Roddy Piper. God, I remember like I was pretty big on on Roddy Piper like when I was a kid, uh, uh, because I just I thought you know he was. Was um, it the skirty war? <laughs> the kilt, you mean? Um, no, I think it was. But no, I think the thing about Piper was that he just he was so great on the mic, and it's like you knew when he did a promo that he was just gonna knock it out of the park because his, his stuff always made sense. the The only one was like the rivalry that he had against Bad News Brown, where he like painted half of his body black or whatever. And that was that Not was a bit weird, idea. but it, it's like yeah, that, that was uh, shit. Who was it? Pat Patterson that came up with that? Maybe it was Vince. I forget. But I think they they did something like that. And he was he was willing to do it, but he had to come up with the promo on his own based on what they told him to do. And he said that he hated that paint. He said that he was like, I don't know know why I'm doing this, and it took him like two weeks to wash it all off because it was like stuck on his skin, and he just hated it. He was like, oh my God, he's like, I hated Vince after that because he's like, that shit was horrible to wear, and he was like, it was just bad because he's like, I'm having to do this against Bad News Brown, and it really has a racist overtone. That aside, though, Rowdy, like, the thing about Piper that I would say is that, like, he's... Uh, they built WrestleMania one off of Roddy Roddy Piper, and, and he was there to kick ass and chew bubble gum. Right, and he was all a lot of bubble gum. gum. 
But they built WrestleMania one around that, right? Because he had yeah. that alliance with Paul Orndorff, and uh, Hogan had uh, Mr. T that he was kind of like it was sort of like his backup and stuff. And they sort of built that original WrestleMania main event around Roddy Piper because he was such an asshole heel. But that's the thing about Piper is that you could really fucking hate him. Like, remember that time when he took that coconut and hit Jimmy Snook over the head and broke yeah. it over his face? And people were like, oh, fuck, is that, like, really... Like, that's really kind of racist to hit a man from, from, this fucking, from the islands and shit from Tonga, hit him with a fucking coconut and break it over his head. Like, that's, that's pretty racist when you look at it on the outside. Oh, yeah. But he was willing to put himself out there as an asshole heel to make the angle work. And it's like, he's... To me, he's one of the best uh, promo guys of all time yeah. he's you like know? if michael roker was a wrestler yeah yeah exactly yeah he's kind of like michael rooker yeah, yeah so michael rooker is just like yeah i, I do uh, i get these parts because everyone else is scared to do these parts i'm willing to be the asshole just because yeah. i know that i can do it and you know a lot of people are willing not willing to do that in their career not willing to do it because they're afraid that they think that's going to be real life uh, piper like, would do all those like dirty work things and he was also pretty good in the ring too you know like he was actually pace, he's pretty good he yeah didn't hurt the match many. that he had um, he hasn't hurt as many people as seth rollins has so. <laughs> seth rollins has ended careers yeah he's, um, he's just constantly uh, like sting for example but the one thing just real quick about Roddy Piper my favorite match that I ever saw of Piper's was when he fought Brett for the Intercontinental title like uh, he had the title and he was defending it against Bret Hart and that was like oh shit like was it like Wrestlemania 7 or 8 one of those and it was like the first time that Bret won the uh, Intercontinental Championship and uh, you go back and you watch that match and you're like fuck that is a great match and Piper was getting older at that point. And the fact that he could go head-to-head against Bret Hart and put on such an amazing match that was for the Intercontinental belt, that's still one of my favorite matches to watch. That was a fucking great match. Yeah. Piper yeah, could was. work with anybody. Uh, my next one is um, Andre the Giant. Oh, it's fitting that you get Andre. Yeah, Andre the Giant, one of the greatest uh, wrestlers of all time. The only reason... That uh, wrestling became as big a spectacle as it became in the 80s. Right. Uh, Andre the Giant is the only reason that wrestling became a spectacle in the first place. Because if you think Vince taking over from Vince Sr. is the reason that that happened, the difference between Vince Sr. and Vince Jr. is Vince Jr. had Andre the Giant. Right. <laughs> Because he got because Andre was in was he in AWA wasn't it AWA because yeah uh, that was where Kurt Hennig came from and I think Ted DiBiase before he was the Million Dollar Man he was in yeah. AWA and I think he got Andre from there too yeah Andre the Giant didn't lose a match for like eleven years right until he lost to Hogan right because like he literally never lost a match until Hogan. And that was Andre's idea. It wasn't even, it wasn't Hogan's idea. It wasn't Vince's. Andre's like, how about he beats me? Right. Because Andre had the belt at that point, right? Isn't that the reason that uh, Hogan ended up, yeah, because Hogan ended up with the belt because he he finally beat Andre. Because Andre wasn't, because I'm trying to remember what happened. Wasn't it like, um, 
because he had Heenan managing him, Bobby Heenan, and uh, he like bought the title from whoever it was, right, uh, or something like that. Didn't he buy the title, uh, or did he win it? He won it legitimately, I think. And then um, uh, something happened between Andre and Hogan at that and that uh, that promo when. Uh, uh, or, or did did Hogan have the belt at the? No, Andre had the belt, didn't he? Didn't Hogan ha- win the belt off of Andre? Yes. I'm trying to remember now because that was WrestleMania three. It was our- a different belt, but it's the belt that ended up becoming the WWE World Championship. Right. So the belt was an old. Um, because they changed the design after the that. The belt that Andre had was an old wrestling. I forget what it was. Was it? Uh, it wasn't the AW. Was it the AWA title? It might have been the AWA title because, I th- yeah. Uh, but it it eventually ended up becoming the WWF title because they didn't. This Vince, I think, bought the AWA mm-hmm. out at some point in the eighties, right? Because that's what Vince do. That's what he do. <laughs> you a good company, but I have more money than you. Let me buy you. Because he just basically bought all the territories, yeah. Because yeah. I remember something where like uh, Heenan was like the reason that Andre turned on him was because um, Hogan would never give Andre a match. Uh, he would never give him the opportunity to fight him, um, and that uh, be- no Hogan was the champion going into that. Yeah, he was the he was the world heavyweight champion, and because I'm looking at the poster, I had to remember. So Hogan. Hogan had the WWE championship, right, I guess. Okay. And then um, Andre, the reason the he turned WWF. on him, uh, the WWF chi- title, yes, back in those days. And the reason that Andre turned on him was because he never had an opportunity to fight him for the championship. Right. And Heenan was like, you've never given him an opportunity. You've always said, oh, no, you're friends. That's why you never wanted to fight him. And he was like, well, he's tired of being friends. He's tired of being nice to you. And then he grabs Hogan's chain off of his neck and just rips it off of him, his gold cross or whatever. And Hogan's just like, oh, man, what the hell's going on, brother? What are you doing? You know, and that's when... and to get that ass Yeah, and you would not have... I think modern WWE fe whatever would not be the same if wrestlemania 3 wasn't as huge as it was because that was the biggest uh that was the biggest wrestling event ever i think up until like one of the modern wrestlemanias because they had it was like a hundred thousand until the event at san francisco which is technically kind of cheating because it was only bigger because of the stadium. Right. Not because of the spectacle. It wasn't a better WrestleMania. It was uh, just more people. It's just more people. Right. So okay. But that well, Silver Dome ahead. that Silver Dome, like the reason that, that worked was because they had Andre. Um Okay, so I got Hulk Hogan. <laughs> okay, Hulk Hogan. So same same thing. Uh well not the same thing. Hulk Hogan was the first like one of the first mega stars. Right. When you think of mega stars, you think of people like, you know, The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, Jericho. Guys um, that can like go and do movies or like in Jericho's case, he can go off and be a rock star and be badass at that too. Yeah, that don't you think know? there's anybody that's ever done what Jericho does now. And does uh, like done all, it was spun off his own music career. Platform. Yeah, like and he's also He even does a little movies. bit of acting here and there. Yeah. Yeah, well, except maybe The Rock. The The Rock, other the Rock can't sing. 
No. He's tried. <laughs> he, he's like, literally tried on WWE Mwana, TV you and couldn't. Really give him, you can't give him credit for Moana either. I disagree with some people on that because uh, the dude that fucking wrote Hamilton wrote the music for that. He could probably make like anyone sound good. Oh, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, he yeah. wrote he wrote the music for Moana. Like he could literally. Get oh, I didn't like, know he wrote the whole soundtrack. Yeah, he wrote the soundtrack for Moana. That's why it sounds so. Amazing. Oh, that's why it's so fucking catchy. That's why it's so good. So it's uh, like, oh yeah, the rock can sing. It's like, no, the rock can just do the rock. Let let the expert tell him how to do it. Right. You know, it's like yeah, because that dude's a genius. That dude's like a freaking genius. That dude. Yeah, that dude. Emmanuel Miranda. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, look at how much he's already made. Like, what, like two billion dollars or something off of just off Hamilton? Hamilton yeah. yeah, and then he also got additional money from Disney. Someone try to uh, criticize him because they're like, you don't remove, you you don't mention the racism of Hamilton and stuff. And he was like, well, actually, I do in the play if you've ever actually seen it. Right. Yeah. And they're like, oh. Okay. Yeah. They try to attack him, and he's like, "Actually, I do." If you actually watch the play, you'll you'll know exactly what he's I talking do, about. I do mention the racism, and they're like, "Oh." It's like, have you ever have you ever watched my play? Have yeah. you ever seen the performance of it? Yeah. They try to attack him, and he was like, "Yeah, I know that I know that the character has some racist stuff, and I do actually mention it in the movie." And they're like, "Oh." Right. Yeah. Or the the play or whatever, and they're like, "But yeah. the the so thing that I'll say about Hogan, right?" The reason why Hogan is... Cons- and I know a lot of people are like, Hogan played a lot of backstage politics. He was difficult to work with sometimes because of his ego. A lot of times would just, just completely dominate storylines and he would fuck somebody over for title shots and One stuff. One of the greatest hills of all time is Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Right. And I don't care what anybody says. That is my favorite form of Hogan. Yeah, Hollywood Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan is my favorite form of Hogan. You fans can stick it, brother. And I think he but. created the new... I think he created an entire uh, new generation of hills. In my opinion, yeah. I think he changed how hills work. Yeah. And, yeah. But and also, like, good guys, because even... Because they built the, the first eight WrestleManias. The first eight WrestleManias in a row... Had Hogan featured as either the main event or the co-main event. He was the featured person that you wanted to see for eight WrestleManias in a row, right? And when you look at the fact that they even tried to replace Hogan with the Ultimate Warrior and it didn't work. They tried to replace him with Lex Luger, right? When they had the Lex Express and he was fighting Yokozuna and all that sort of stuff. He was supposed to be the next Hogan because he was this muscled up blonde dude and that didn't work. But they tried two times in that period of time to find a new Hogan and couldn't do it. You know, like the who would be probably the next version of like a Hogan type of character? Probably John Cena. Look at how long it took them to find another guy well, basically John who could Cena be that kind of like, character. Like in your face, Hogan, though not yeah. like naturally flowing Hogan. Right, because they was just overly manufactured. They pushed it in your face too much. But let's talk about who I just pulled, which is insane that I pulled this person because also one of my favorite wrestlers of all time Chris Jericho Jericho I had a feeling it was Jericho how the fuck did I pull all my favorite people right uh Chris Jericho one of the greatest hills one of the greatest faces right one of the greatest promoters one of the greatest wrestlers like literally if you ask me 
who could out wrestle who between Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho? I could not give you an answer. I have no idea. And they fought each other before, too. They have been in a rivalry before, and uh, Sean ended up winning that rivalry. But who was the better wrestler? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. Part of me wants to say Jericho because of how much training he's had, but Shawn Michaels is the showstopper. Right. He is the greatest entertainer in, in wrestling history. Um... And so the thing is about Jericho that I would say, and like, and I've always liked Jericho. I was, I've never been like a fan of Jericho in the way that like Steve is, for example. But the one thing that I will say about Jericho is that he's one of the few people that can uh, wrestle like luchadors and cruiserweights, wrestle heavyweights, wrestle super heavyweights, be in a tag team, be a singles wrestler. He could do basically whatever you needed him to, and he's also created a lot of his own match types. Like the Money in the Bank match. That is a Chris Jericho idea that he came up with and pitched it to Vince. Like, well, why don't you do a, a, a ladder match with like six people and whoever gets the briefcase or whatever, they, there's a contract in that for a title shot. Right. He pitched that idea to Vince and Vince liked it so much he was like, well, at the next WrestleMania, we're going to do that. We're going to have a Money in the Bank match as a number one contender. And now it's his in own entire pay-per-view. pay-per-view they that's it's become one of the instead of having like the king of the ring which is like probably like one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time i've always loved the king of the ring but the king of the ring was always kind of like who's going to be the next big star of the company well now the money in the bank matches kind of that but then they were like well fuck it let's just turn the money in the bank into like its own pay-per-view where that is the centerpiece of it and it's like, that's how creative Jericho is. He can be a heel. He can be a good guy. He can be in a tag team. He can wrestle whatever fucking weight class you want to. And he's also one of the best people on the mic. He's one of the funniest people I've heard on the microphone besides maybe The Rock. Like that one in AEW where he was like, uh, he was like, the inner circle right now is hotter than Baby Yoda. I almost spit my drink all <laughs> over my computer when I heard that because I was like, he can take whatever's going on at the time and turn into something awesome. Yeah, he's going to take modern day references and he's going to put it into his character. He's always had and different eras where he's changed himself. And the crazy thing about like, like let's just say his run in AEW, like he's been there for like almost like like two years now. Uh, well, yeah, basically. So almost two years. But next year, let's say next year, just all of a sudden, he's a good guy. He's been he's been healed the entire time he's been there. Jericho could just turn around, be a good guy. No one would even fucking question. Because it'd be like, well, it's Jericho. He he can do basically what he wants. Like he could come out and just be like, yeah, me and Cody Rhodes are a tag team now, and people would be like, fucking awesome. Right. <laughs> like people would be like, oh, that's bullshit. People would be like, that's fucking awesome. They're yeah. just gonna win all of it, right? Like yeah. it's like yeah, we're gonna be in a rivalry against the the, the Lucha Brothers, and people are like, fuck yeah, let's watch that shit. <laughs> oh, and imagine <laughs> if like MJF took over the inner circle. Yeah, it, it was just oh, people, shit. people would just be like, yeah, okay, I'm on board with that. But you because it's have, Jericho. You couldn't, and, and that's the thing about Jericho's versatility because in the WWE, like you couldn't have John Cena just come out like tomorrow and just be like, yeah. 
I'm the biggest villain now. People are like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here, whatever, bro. Man. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But Jericho came out and did that on AEW where he flipped back to being uh, a baby face. And people were like, people yeah, were like, cool. okay, well, yeah, Jericho. I guess he it. has new merch and shit now. He's got like he's not inner circle anymore. He's doing something else, you know. So that's the thing. He's like a chameleon. He can just sort of change depending on the situation and the scenario and what he's doing but that's one of the one of the things because tony khan knew that as soon as he could sign a contract with chris jericho he was like i have my superstar to build aew around yes exactly because aew wouldn't be like it is without jericho let's just be honest you know it probably would be. Oh, okay. So I we I, we are not planning this. I swear to God, we're not. But I just got one of my favorites, Stone Cold Motherfucking Steve Austin. You can't. You, you, the thing about Austin, I think the reason why Austin has to be in consideration for the Mount Rushmore, right, is because at the time that. You know, WCW was doing their whole NWO thing. Vince is slowly building up Stone Cold to the point where he can take over as the world champion and become like his main weapon against WCW because, you know, they had Hogan, Holland Nash, they had Macho Man, they had Flair, they had all these big name people. But Vince was like, I'm going to have to go with the talents that I have here. And I have Undertaker, I have, well, there for until like 97 he had bret hart but he had Shawn michaels he had stone he had cold the best of bret hart. he had the best version of bret hart yes and so he he built the company in the 90s when they were going into the attitude era the reason that the attitude era worked was because stone cold became this fucking superstar right because right after king of the ring uh, 96 when he won and well, he, he did won the, the and he did the whole you know talk about your psalms talk about your John 316 well Austin 316, 316 so I just whooped, whooped your ass, ass. <laughs> and he came up with that on the fly and then like slowly after, after that from the hospital yeah as slowly after that you started seeing in the crowd like Austin 316 Austin 316 and it just caught on and then Vince knew that he was like People are buying tickets, they're buying merchandise because they want to see Stone Cold beat the shit out of me or, or trash talk me. And he built the Attitude Era around Stone Cold. Well, Stone Cold and DX and all that stuff was a big part of that because he knew that he could build the entire company around all of that stuff. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why... Stone Cold to this day is still one of the most influential people that like when he comes back to visit Raw or SmackDown or whatever, when he comes back to visit the modern roster, everybody's like fucking Stone Cold's on and every time he shows up, the fucking ratings go up again. When you hear that music, that glass shatter. Yes. When you hear that. When you hear that glass, it's your ass. Yeah. I mean, it's over with. Yeah. And that's one of the things about Austin that I'll say is that like his his legacy has endured so well that it's like if you're putting a Mount Rushmore together, you almost you have to put him at least in consideration for one of the spots because of the amount of money that he made for the company, what he did for 
just like the rivalries that he was in because he had he had like the best rivalries with like The Rock. He had really good shit with The Undertaker. You know, he had uh, rivalries with like Triple H and uh, he just he fucking fought everybody and he made everybody else good. And he could, every time they were like, yeah, Stone Cold's at WrestleMania, it's like, boom, sell out, boom, sell out, boom, sell out. He, he wasn't uh, uh, Goldberg, where he just refused rivalries because people were smaller than him and stuff like that. Yeah. They weren't willing to lose to him in like 13 seconds. <laughs> so that, that made me lose a little bit of respect for Goldberg, the fact that he wouldn't actually fight Chris Jericho. Right. Um, and Stone, the only time that Stone Cold did, did, did that was against Lesnar. But let, let, let's, uh, it's just because Lesnar didn't earn his right to fight Stone Cold. And let's be honest. But yeah. Chris Jericho definitely earned his right to fight Goldberg. Yeah. And who was more, influ- more influential to their company, Goldberg to WCW or Stone Cold to WWF? There's no comparison. Stone Cold... Is well, Goldberg, way more important. Goldberg kept WCW alive, you know, for as long as he could, I guess. For about a year, maybe. Yeah, but the the long term effects is Stone Cold, like, and also like, I think Goldberg was, I think Goldberg was intimidated by Jericho, and that's the reason he don't want to actually wrestle him because Chris Jericho. I don't care who you think would win in the fist fight or something like that. Obviously, that'd probably be be Goldberg, which I, I don't know. Maybe Jericho. Who knows? So <laughs> just because he's bigger doesn't mean he can fight better. Jericho but could know, probably fight. I mean, he I, did play hockey I mean, for a little bit. He went face-to-face backstage with uh, uh, Brock Lesnar when he thought that, that you know Brock, Le- Brock Lesnar actually hurt uh, Randy Orton in that pay-per-view. Like, Chris Jericho was the first person to confront him. He was like, what the fuck's up, man? Like, yeah. he got in his face. They had to separate why, him. Why, you, why, are you, why are you wrestling dangerous? Yeah, yeah, why are you trying to hurt somebody and stuff like that? And Lesnar's like, I'll kill you. And he's like, you fucking try. I don't, like, Jericho was the first person to... But, but the thing about, no matter how big of a fan you are, Goldberg or even Lesnar or something, let's be honest, as far as wrestling, wrestling... Chris Jericho would blow Goldberg out of the, the fucking water and it w- wouldn't even be close. Right. Chris but Jericho is a fucking professional wrestler. He fucking knows how to wrestle. Goldberg's just a big guy that hits people. Right. And Brock Lesnar's the same way. He was an amateur like national championship wrestler. But as far as actual wrestling, like professional wrestling, he, he just suplexes people. Right. But that's the thing, too, that I think a lot of people forget about somebody like Stone Cold was that, you know, with the injury that he had when he got piled drove by uh, Owen Hart and he messed up his neck or whatever, when he came back, he had to change his wrestling style, but his promos were better than they had ever been, and he changed his fighting style, but it worked because he was the brawler. He couldn't do maybe as much technical stuff as he could. But that was the thing is that like you knew that if you were watching an Austin match it was going to be great and you knew that you knew when you got to a stone cold main event and he was closing the show you felt like yeah I watched some amazing shit even if Austin lost because he did lose like he lost to the rock he lost the world title he had moments when he would lose but you were entertained through the whole fucking match his matches were not boring they you 
you knew when you were watching Stone Cold fight somebody that that was the one of the best matches of the night. You knew that. That's why you were willing to invest the money to go see him because you knew that he was going to fucking bring down the house by the end of the night. And especially if you ever watch Monday Night Raw, the shit he would do to Vince McMahon, like pouring concrete into his Corvette and fucking the monster truck when he fucking ran over his car with a monster truck and... You know, all that kind of shit. And, like, the time when he snuck into the hospital and fucking knocked him over the head with a bedpan. Like, that shit was fucking... It's classic. It's still some of the best shit you can watch in wrestling. So Stone Cold, to me, has to be in consideration for the, 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 the mountain. He has to be on the Mount Rushmore somewhere. But, we, you know, we'll, we'll get to our voting afterwards. Yeah, okay. So my next one that I got was pretty epic. Dusty Rhodes. The American dream, baby. Dusty Rhodes. What would you say about Dusty? you say that he's probably one of the best promo guys? Promo? I don't I don't know about wrestlers. The thing about um, Dusty, like, because Dusty, he was he was a pretty mobile, you know, guy for his size, right? But Dusty could sell the fuck out of a match. Like, his matches against Flair, Flair's obviously in better shape than Dusty. But Dusty could sell the fuck out of that right, match. Back in the day, I'm, oh, even before Flair was super famous, um, um, back in the day, uh, Ric Flair was like in some of the best shape of any wrestler of all time. Yeah, before like, he had his uh, plane crash, right? And yeah, his... before he got in the plane crash, and then because his physique, like his muscles and everything, were fucking great like, back in those days. He day. was one of the most built and ripped dudes that you would ever see in your life. Mm-hmm. And it was ridiculous. Right. Um, so, but we're talking about Dusty Rhodes, which was Dusty Rhodes. I mean, he, he's in his his best shape that he was going to be in. Right. Um, and considering that he could put on like 30, 35-minute matches, 40-minute matches for his size yeah. and his stamina and everything, you're like, man, for a guy who's built that big, for him to be able to go out there and put on these epic fucking thirty minute world championship matches. It's kinda of like watching like Kevin Owens or something like that, whenever you can see like he can do backflips and moonsaults he, and he shit. Can, he can wrestle somebody for like 40, 45 minutes and you're like, Okay, so he can do that. He's so. in better shape than he might look. That's kinda of how Dusty was. Well it's like I don't know, it's like the Chris Farley effect. Like I don't know. Because Chris Farley like, could do cartwheels and shit. I felt like back in the day, like, uh, if you were to be like, yeah, let's uh, let's go jogging or something like that. And you go jogging and be like, hey, yeah, uh, hey, David Spade, Chris Farley, let's go jogging. I think Chris Farley could jog with you longer than David Spade could back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Well, because he was actually an athlete like Chris Farley, like when he was in like, uh, like when he was in well, I think high school and college, he played rugby. Yeah, like, like I'm saying, so, I feel like... I feel and then he like kind of got fatter though, and he wasn't able to do it as much. Even though Chris Farley is like a little bit bigger, you know, well, a lot bigger than David Spade. I feel like <laughs> Spade would just kind of give out way before Farley. Because he's not athletic. Yeah, so... He's skinny, but he's not athletic. Yeah, so big guys can do stuff too. So, all right, let's, yeah. let's get your... So, Dusty, I think he... I mean, just for the fact that he could put on the matches and shit that he could... He was just, he was fucking if great. If we were doing something like prom, promoter or for wrestling, Dusty would probably be a little bit As behind. a promo guy, promoting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. What he's done for wrestling. Hard probably. times, daddy. 
If you ever want to look up like one of the greatest paper like uh, paper like selling um, like an Everyone event, knows about that. the hard times promo. If you don't know it, we're gonna to have Tommy go back and hit you in the head with a tack hammer because you're a retard. retard. But look up the hard times <laughs> promo. PC retard. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. PC retard. Which yeah. Sure. Pandemically retard. Pandemically <laughs> retard. That's a t-shirt idea. There we go. Teespring, contact us. Um, so uh, the next one that I got is uh, definitely one of Steve's favorites, and I always liked him too. Maybe not as much as Steve, but Edge. Edge. The rated R superstar himself. You think you know me. You think you know me. And oh, the thing about Edge that I will say is that like Edge has, Edge has probably like one of the, he has one of the best career because he's in arguably one of the best tag teams of all time with Christian. Like we just talked about with the, with the tag team half of this. And then he splits off from that, goes into singles competition, and becomes one of the greatest, like, just singles wrestlers of all time, too. Yeah. His his career is very much like uh, Brett and Shawn Michaels, where they came from great tag teams, split off, and became even greater without their tag partner. And then, and then Edge can always go back in with Christian, and then... You know, still do stuff because they've done that. In yeah, they still have their podcast. He'll win, he'll win championships, go back, maybe do something with Christian, or do a podcast or movies. They were TV. hosting their own show, yeah. And Adam Copeland, which is Edge, uh, he he can do whatever he wants, and yeah, he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, especially whenever he was the rated R superstar, and then, maybe he had Lita with him. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember, like, he had, uh, didn't he have, like, some, I, I want to remember, he had some, like, really good matches against CM Punk that was One of my favorite epic. rivalries that Edge ever did is when Edge did the rivalry with Eddie Guerrero. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you had, uh, what was it, Vicky Guerrero. That was right, that was, like, that was, like, just a little bit before Eddie died, too, right? Yeah. That was the great one of the. I, I'm I'm gonna go off on a limb here and say that's one of the greatest single rivalries of all time. It was definitely the best rivalry of Eddie Guerrero's career because Eddie Guerrero fought some 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 really great people up until that point. Like Rey Mysterio, never had a rivalry like context wise and and fun and just memorable. Great matches as he had with Edge. Edge. Gave him everything he had, and he gave Edge everything he had, and that rivalry was just so good. It was just so good. So yeah, uh, man, that that's some good shit right there. Yeah, and Edge was also fucking great on the microphone too. Like he he eventually became really really good at the mic. Speaking of Eddie Guerrero, I just pulled Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're not planning this. This we're is all super it. random. Okay, so Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero died way too young. Yes, he did. Uh, Rest in peace. One of the greatest rest, single wrestlers of all time. Um, He's another one of those guys that could wrestle cruiserweights, luchadors, and also do heavyweight. Yeah, he was a lot like and, Jericho in the way. And he was just... He he was really good. I wouldn't say he's he he was right there at Jericho level of promos, but that dude, that dude, he wasn't freaking, too far off. He wasn't too that like he wasn't that far off, 
Like, right now, if he was still alive in modern day, he'd probably be right there with Jericho. You know, like, he was he was building up to some stuff. Like some, yeah, you know, especially... Like some, of those, some of those promos were just so great, and you were just like... <sighs> he also had, like, some of the best, like catchphrase stuff like you know we lie we cheat we steal we lie we cheat we steal he had the the mamacita stuff that he did with china yeah when china was his mamacita and then he had the thing with um uh ray mysterio and and dominic where he was like i'm your puppy you know and all that kind of stuff like he had fucking great t-shirts Viva La Rosa. he was such a great personality too yeah he was and then like coming to the ring with the fucking like the the fucking hydraulic lowrider and all that kind of shit like he just he changed a lot of shit, and it's, he was also the leader of the uh, at one point the LWO, the Latino World Order. Yeah, yeah, that was back in fucking WCW days because it was him, it was a uh, Conan, it was uh, Ray with the out of his mask, um, and they had like uh, what was it? Psychosis was in that too, and I so. Psychosis I think was in it, and uh, Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, he had all of the uh, all of the, the the Mexican guys were involved in his uh, in the, the, yeah. the Latino World Order. That was that was I remember that shit too because they even had like the um, the Mexican flag like logo on the and the it, LWO. It was one of the uh, least successful ones because I think at that point, <laughs> whenever they were doing that, everyone was, it was a little burnt bit out, tired of the NWO. Yeah, because the NWO had like fucking forty five members, and they're like, well, there's the. NWO Wolfpack, which is like, you know, Holland Nash and Luger and Sting. And then yeah, and then you have the Latino World Order and you have NWO Black and White, which is like Hogan and, you know, his guys. And people were just kind of like, yeah, kind of, yeah, fuck <sighs> There's this. There's fucking like 80 people in the NWO. Fuck this. It's like the entire fucking <laughs> wrestling is in the NWO. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, so... How many uh, how many do we have left, names? We have a few more left. Uh, we're going to take another break. Oh, and then we're going to get down to the uh, the final countdown, Yeah, huh? and then we're going to get down to the final countdown, and then you guys are going to know who the Mount Rushmore of wrestling is. Yes. Yeah, Jason Momoa does have the best ass in wrestling. I mean, yeah, I think it's harder to disagree with that. Yeah. I think... It probably would be. Because, I mean, you would think, like, okay, well, okay, Sasha the Banks. Rush, the Mount Rushmore of asses of wrestling, Jason Momoa. Yeah, and then you'd probably say, like, Bailey, because um, Bailey's got a fantastic mm-hmm. ass. Uh, Sasha Banks, fantastic ass. Um, I've always liked Sasha. Uh, who would also have the. I mean, Kira Hogan would definitely have fantastic ass. Oh, are you recording? Oh fuck! Okay, we're on. Um, okay. Yeah. You're, so. You're <laughs> Boy, that's awkward. Uh, <laughs> shit. Oh, here we go. Oh yeah. yeah, the Macho Man. Uh, fucking Macho Man Randy Savage. Can you think of somebody who has made more memes and has been as uh, as big a part of pop culture as like the fucking Macho Man? I know. You know, a lot of like the WWE, like the Russell early WrestleMania era, was built around Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and like that type of stuff. But Macho Man was fucking great in his own right because he had some the best fucking promos of all time. He has some of the best matches of all time. Like people to this day still say that his match against 
uh, Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania three stole the show for some people away from Hogan and Andre. And then also snap into a Slim Jim. Yeah, I mean, he's also the Slim Jims guy. So, yes. you know, Macho Man, like, it's hard to not at least put Macho Man in, like, at least in contention for the yeah. Mount Rushmore because he had everything. He had the, the crazy, he had the amazing look with the, the cowboy hat and the crazy jackets and shit and the crazy and tights. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, he had Elizabeth with him. But he also had like, a, but he could be a good guy. He could be a heel, like when he was um, the Macho King, and he had Sensational Sherry with him, and she was like the the Macho Queen, and all that kind of stuff. Like that shit was great. If you don't like Macho Man, you can get fucked. Okay, I'm just gonna say that. He said that. Yeah. If you don't like Macho Man Randy Savage, you can get fucked. I'm just I'm just gonna put that out there. Okay. The so dude's the, fucking amazing. So the next. Rest one, in peace, Macho. Rest in peace. So the next one uh, I uh, pulled is Ric Flair. Woo! One of the greatest oh. wrestlers of all time. One of the best promo guys of all time. Who's um, basically, he was a wrestling version of Joe Namath. Let's just put that out there. Limousine riding. <laughs> Jet flying. Rolex wearing. Yeah. Son of a gun. Yeah. like Woo! Woo! I mean, just like even he had the entrance, you know, where he he plays the entrance and he yeah. he fucking comes out in the robe and you know he's got all the the nature the, boy yeah he's got all the nature boy atmosphere around him and the the swag and all that kind of stuff because you know there's I mean especially like you know the whole uh, thing that he did where he's like you know I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down and all that kind yeah. of stuff talking about like. You know, he's like, I, you know, I spent more money and uh, spilt liquor last year than you made. You know, like he was just, he was like one of the best trash talkers, one of the best heels, but he could also be a great good guy too. And I mean, he, he saved WCW, uh, you know, like a few times and he had some of the greatest rivalries in history. I mean, like his matches against Sting Fucking epic. His matches against Dusty Rhodes. Fucking epic. Yeah, I mean, the entire rivalry. I think even between, Ricky Steamboat. He, didn't he fight Ricky Steamboat? Yeah, and had the entire fucking, rivalry between him and Dusty was basically like, uh, Ric Flair is just like, I'm rich, I have everything. And Dusty Rhodes is like, I have to work for everything I have. And right. That's literally the entire rivalry is like, you know. Like, you want to talk about hard times. <laughs> yeah. You put hard times on Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. People don't do promos like that anymore. And some oh, of the God, images no. of the greatest promos of all time were invented by Dusty Rose and Ric Flair. Right. And uh, the, there's basically 0% of people today that can do any form, any percentage of promos that were done back in those days. So Probably the closest ones you'd have now would be... Probably Chris Jericho. He might be the only one that can still do yeah, promos Chris like that. Chris Jericho is the only one. Uh, Maybe special be. mention to AJ Styles because AJ can do. He can do some of that. He's not exactly like Dusty Flair caliber, but um, yeah. Okay, we have a few more, and then we're gonna go ahead and go about our. Um... Oh, see, okay, th- I, this is like fucking Destiny or something because I got Bret Hart. Brett the Hitman. We end up going with like all of our favorites and stuff. Um, Bret Hart, 
the excellence of execution. And the thing I'd say about Brett, too, is that... Was he made Stone Cold famous? <laughs> he did make Stone Cold famous. Since you want to talk about that, right? That's the greatest double switch uh, of uh, heel and face in history is when Brett has Austin locked in the sharpshooter and he will not relinquish the hold. And Stone Cold, instead of uh, tapping out of that match and, and losing, he passes out from the blood loss. Which wasn't the And that submission match. You no, know, he was, I think he was supposed to tap out originally he was because. To tap. And then he was like, no, nah, I'm not going out like that. And he really started feeling lightheaded because, you know, he got cut on his head. I don't know if they did it, you know, as like a stunt, like it stunt a cut. Yeah. It was a stunt cut, right? Uh, he, he did it. He did it himself. It was, he didn't get cut the hard way, but, but he was losing the, a lot of blood. Wasn't the things at some point in that match, uh, or close to the end, uh, Brett was like, I don't think you should tap. Didn't Brett even tell him that? Um, I'm trying to remember because Stone Cold talked about this match on his podcast. And I want to say that I want to say Brett at some point, Brett I think, did say like, like... I'm going to put you in the, the sharpshooter, but don't tap. Don't tap, yeah. Uh, or he was like, he's like, uh, yeah, just don't tap and then... Um, and then I think, because uh, was it Earl Hebner that was refing that match? Basically was like, well, he's out. He's passed out. He, you know, Brett's won. Yeah. Because he, he refused to, to tap out because it was a submission match. That was WrestleMania 13. And the only way you could win that match was by submission. And Austin knew that he was in a disadvantage because he didn't really have like a, a, a finishing right. move like the sharpshooter that he could put Brett in. So... He was just going to have to kind of do it the hard way, but he got trapped in the sharpshooter, had nowhere to go. He's gushing blood out of his head. Right. And Stone Cold always says that like one of his favorite people to be in the ring to work with was Brett because he was like every time me and Brett worked a match during that rivalry and I had to I had to fight him, he was like he always had great ideas. He always had great finishes. Like everything was meticulously planned out, but he also had room to improvise and work on shit if something wasn't going right or somebody had an issue. He was like he was like he always loved working with Brett because of how how good those matches were. And pretty much anybody, even if you look at like uh, you know Brett fighting um, uh, British Bulldog, right? Uh, at uh, was it SummerSlam '88 when he fought British Bulldog? In Wembley Arena in, in England, right, and he he had the Intercontinental Championship, and he you know lost the title to Bulldog, so Bulldog could win the Intercontinental title in his home country and all that all that kind of stuff. That was a fucking amazing match, Brett right. versus uh, Owen uh, as the opening match of WrestleMania 10, where it was the grudge a grudge match because Brett was gonna fight. Um, either Yokozuna or Lex Luger at the end of it to win the championship, right? That opening match of WrestleMania 10 that's just uh, Brett versus Owen in that grudge match because Owen hated Brett at that point. That's a fucking amazing match. The Iron Man match between Brett and Shawn Michaels. That's one of my favorite matches of all time. And Brett lost that match so that Sean could have the title and be the champ. Right. And it, when you start looking through all the fucking amazing... He turned a match with... Uh, he turned matches with Yokozuna into fucking great matches. He had great matches with, like, Kevin Nash. And he had great shit with The Undertaker. Like, he could work with basically yeah, Brett, anybody. Brett did a great job against everybody. 
And he was also a fucking badass tag team guy, too. So, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Brett at least has to be talked about in that in that discussion for Mount Rushmore. Right. Because of just how fucking great he was for everybody that he wrestled with. So, another one that I got is Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, okay. I didn't think Kurt would make this list. And he's complete garbage. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kurt Angle was one of those guys that... Um, he he kind of came out of nowhere, but he was great when he showed up. Yeah, he would show up. He would uh, uh, dominate. I remember he did a triple threat match uh, with... Um, Stone Cold, Triple H, and, uh, yeah, him. And, uh, it was probably one of the greatest matches you've ever seen. Did he, he had a really, uh, he had a pay-per-view match against Jericho at one point. Uh, it was one of the big pay-per-views, too, I think. Yeah, because they, you know, they, they wanted to do some submission stuff. Hey, who could be better? You know, Kurt Angle or Chris Jer- Jericho, the Ayatollah of rock and roll. <laughs> but uh, but Angle, yeah, and also the other thing too is that Kurt was uh, he was willing to make himself into like he was willing to make a complete ass of himself for he promos. Was more than willing to make a, uh, himself look like an ass, he he actually preferred it. Right, because like when he first started, remember he would always do like those goofy ass promos, and you're like, oh fuck this guy, and you know the three eyes, and he had like the milk drinking stuff yeah, and integrity. Intelligence, uh, intensity, wasn't it? Or something. It was like the three eyes of of uh, you know. It was duck, dip, dodge, dive, and dodge, or whatever. Right? Wasn't that the dodge multiple times? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dip, dives, and dodge. Right. Oh, patches, you drunk motherfucker. Patches of Hulahan, one of the greatest coaches of all time. I wish they would have made like a prequel with uh, Hank just Azaria. Patches. Oh, that would have been fucking great. Yeah, because he, he was the, the young video Patches. It would have been cool if they would have made like a prequel to that. To Dodgeball. Had, we need to fucking pitch that idea. Be like, we're doing a prequel of Dodgeball with fucking Hank Azaria as young Patches of Hulahan. Yeah. That would be the shit. That would be the shit. But uh, but yeah, Kurt Angle, like he's one of those people, and like you know, he left WWE because uh, you know the he I, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think he felt like he wasn't getting paid enough, or his opportunity was better. No, wasn't it something like he got really bad on alcohol? Like he he was starting to become an alcoholic, oh, and I, I don't think remember. and I remember Vince, uh, Vin, him and Vince had it out, so he ended up going to TNA for a while, and and then eventually him and Vince patched everything up. But yeah, even when he got to TNA, like yeah, he was Kurt, a badass in Kurt TNA Angle, too. Vince was like, "You're doing too much alcohol, Kurt Angle." It's like I am. It's like, yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna call you back in a second. Let me snort this cocaine <laughs> <laughs> off of Sable's ass. No, because um, you knew you he was. Brock Lesnar. Sable's a slut. Slut. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't whip our ass. We don't want to go to Suplex City. Sable. I'm not worried about you, Brawlers. <laughs> we'll just we'll just run around you till you turn purple and can't move anymore. Which means we'll run around you for about 15 seconds. Right, which is about how long it takes for him to turn purple and look weird, like we he's not having it. enough oxygen. Um, but uh, but yeah, Kurt Angle, yeah, he uh, he definitely would be up there in terms of like just uh, like wrestling talent, like a legit actual wrestling talent. He was fucking great in the ring. I mean, hell, he was a great amateur wrestler. He's a fucking Olympic gold medalist, for God's sake. 
with a broken freaking neck, you know. Um, he just had such a great personality with the whole, you know, medals and the, you know, and then he even formed that little thing with Charlie Haas and, uh, what was it, uh, Shelton Benjamin, where they were, like, kind of, like, this new breed of, like, uh, like, Olympic-style, like, grappling wrestlers and stuff that he was working on. What were they called? It was, like, it was called, like, the, the, the world's greatest team or something like that. Yeah. It was, uh, Haas and Benjamin, Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, Kurt Angle could basically do everything. He was great on the mic, great in the ring. He was fucking awesome. Just had a little bit too much personal alcohol demons. But, I mean, shit, Jake the Snake did too, and he turned out all right. Yes. Ultimately, with the help of, uh, you know, DDP and uh, just some personal willpower, fig- figuring out that his life was more important than the fucking bottles of alcohol. But, you know, hey, you know, some of those guys have to go through that shit. You know, a lot of those guys had personal demons they had to overcome. Okay. Uh, oh, we are getting low. Okay, uh, this one is... Ooh, Sting. Sting. The man called Sting. Sting has like, some of the best rivalries in history. Like his shit that he did with Ric Flair, like in the 90s and shit, when he, he was like the... With, uh, the NWO. Yeah, his Logan. battles against the NWO. Yeah. This is... Um, yeah, and like remember, like how they had like where he was just he was just in the rafters for like a year, just yeah. fucking intimidating Hogan. He would drop down to the ring and beat the fuck out of some people with the bat, and then he would escape. And they're like, "Oh man, Sting's gonna fuck up the NWO." Like they got some of my favorite stuff Sting has ever done. Right, and I mean, and he was he was in like some great rivalries and shit back in the day. Like, uh, cause didn't he have a rivalry with like Vader at one point? Um, Darth Vader, yeah. <laughs> Darth Vader, yeah. Anakin Skywalker, um, but yeah, he was. And, but you know, and then he goes, and then he has that whole thing with WCW that he does. He goes to TNA and basically turns TNA into like a legit actual company because yeah, they were that's just some. They got big. They were just some slap dick company that fucking Jeff Jarrett wanted to start, and then and slap his dick at right <laughs> slap nuts. They were like a they were like a little slap dick company that was like just a little startup out of nowhere, and then Sting goes there and people are like, "Oh shit, TNA is actually pretty legit now exactly. that they got Sting." He made that company legit. TNA still to the, or Impact now, still to this day is existing because they are riding off of the momentum that they got during that Sting era. Like, let's not get it twisted because they even had you know guys like Kurt Angle. They had guys like Jeff Hardy. They had some pretty big stars. Hell, even uh, Christian or Christian Cage, as they called him, he was there for a little bit, right? Like kind of in the earlier days when he left WWE. But that was one of the things that you always noticed was that like um, Sting, anywhere that he went, he was a presence, and he made the company better because of how good. Uh, his matches were he could do promos even like the, the crow sting like you're talking about like that was for a lot of people that was their favorite version of sting was the crow sting right. when he was stalking the nwo yeah so yeah, exactly sting has to be in consideration he's considered one of the greatest of all time yeah and the one that i just drew is the undertaker oh is that the last one or do we yeah, have a... that's the last one. Oh, that's kind of funny how we get sting and taker uh back to back there. yeah and, but we never get to see that match. we'll never get to see that match because of uh triple h's fuckery <laughs> like no if sting comes back i want to fight him because I'm, I'm gonna win because i want to fuck over wcw with that big 
that it's big like, dude, McMahon dick one last time. It's like, dude, that, that rivalry shit was like for a while. I want to win it though. I want to finally kill WCW. WCW died in 2001, bro. Why are you doing this shit? You should have lost that match. Absolutely whoop your ass. No, I want to win it though. <laughs> but anyway, the Undertaker. The Undertaker, I the think, has to... Man. Yeah, the dead man. Um, the, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the American badass. Uh, he's one of the only people that could make Limp Bizkit really seem cool and badass. Am, am, I, am I overstating that? I think he made... Uh, didn't he, he made Limp Bizkit cool, I think. Uh, let's see. Can you make Florida cool? <laughs> well, that disqualifies it right there, I think. But, uh, but The Undertaker, um, he's always been awesome. And to think, when you think about the fact that, like, that gimmick should not have worked, right? Like, he's, he's no. supposed to be, like, a dead guy that's being, you know, ushered around. Like, originally when he debuted, he debuted with Ted DiBiase, and then they put him with Paul Bearer. And they're right. like, he's literally supposed to be a dead guy whose powers are drawn from this urn. And then over the years... He takes that. He ends up uh, becoming like the uh, the ministry undertaker during the Attitude Era, where he has like his like little cult of minions and stuff, like the acolytes and Midian and you know, Viscera and all these people. And then he becomes the American Badass Undertaker. Then he goes back to being Dead Man Taker. Has some of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history with Shawn Michaels. And then ends up uh, you know coming back to do his um, stuff against Brock Lesnar. You know, and it's like he has all these great matches. He had a fucking great match with uh, Triple H like twice, you know. Um, He had uh, a pretty fucking good match against uh, CM Punk. He had a good match with Bray Wyatt. Like, everybody that he's worked with, he's had badass matches. Er, Well, maybe not Giant Gonzalez. That was a shit match. But that's because because Giant Gonzalez was shit, and that was like 1993. Nobody really remembers that. That's hilarious. Um, But aside from that, though, most of his matches... Uh, especially like on big pay-per-views, like he had great rivalries. Like his one of his greatest rivalries of all time was against Shawn Michaels, because it's like you know you have this giant dude against you know Shawn Michaels, and it's like, but he actually could hang with Shawn, and his height wasn't a detriment to him. Like he actually could use his power against Shawn, but he had great matches against so many fucking people. And he's, he's like an icon. All you have to do is just say The Undertaker and people immediately know who you're talking about. Exactly. You know, like he, he's an icon. Like, he, and nobody, that uh, people that talk about wrestlers, whenever they mention The Undertaker, they're like, he's one of the most badass dudes. He always stuck up for the locker room. He always stood his ground against Vince when he thought something was fucking stupid. And he was always the guy that would represent the locker room when they needed to because they were like, yeah, if there's a problem in the locker room, there's some shit going down, you go talk to Undertaker. He'll fucking fix it out. He'll, exactly. he'll straighten it out. So, you know, you have to put him, I think, in consideration for the Mount Rushmore because he is Absolutely. one of the greatest yeah. of all time. I mean, they've sold the WrestleMania for like the last six years on just the Undertaker <laughs> making appearances, right? And some people would only watch uh, WrestleMania to see The Undertaker. And he's like in his 60s and shit now. Yeah, he's an old-ass man. He's a fucking old-ass man. Well, he's in his 50s, but you know what I mean. But, uh, so, we gotta, we gotta finally settle this, right? 
Yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead and settle this. So, um, tag teams. Uh, tag teams, I think, um, from what we went through, I think uh, Mount Rushmore of tag teams, I think the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian are definitely on it. Okay, so that's that's half of it. Edge and Christian, I can definitely see. The Hardys, I think the Hardys could definitely, as far as like, this is our Mount Rushmore, right? This is like what we watched. We saw the pay-per-views. We saw the weekly shows. This is our version of the Mount Rushmore. And, you know, I don't think you could build the tag team division in the Attitude Era without those two teams. You have to have right. those two. Well, we've already established all that. We already know what every single person uh, uh, has contributed. So we know it's the Hardy Boys, Edge and Christian. Who are the other two? Uh, would you would you put the Legion of Doom on there? I think I would because of just their reputation and just like how how much they they helped the tag team scene and every company they worked in. Yes. They automatically made every tag team division better when they got there. Yeah, so we have, you know, the Hardy Boys, we have Edge and Christian, we have the Legion of Doom. Uh, And my last one might be a little bit controversial for tag teams, but I, I, I think the last one, I would put the Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat. The thing, the thing I'd say about Harlem Heat is that I think that sometimes people don't remember how good they were. It's like... Um, Maybe this would help. Because a lot of people remember Booker T, but they don't really remember Stevie Ray that much. And it's like Stevie Ray and Booker T, like as a team, like they were good on promos. They did amazing matches with like a bunch of tag teams, like the Steiners and like all those different people that were in WCW. And the tag team division... Uh, because like, what was probably their greatest rivalry was against uh, Holland Nash, right? Probably. When they were fighting the Outsiders, and it's like those were two guys that like legit could fight Holland Nash, and you're like, shit, the NWO might lose this because Harlem Heat's a bob about to whoop their ass. So I mean, in Harlem Heat, also like they they were one of the few tag teams like you were talking about that was like just a pure black tag team. And they yes, kind of yeah, yeah, they yeah. changed a lot of shit because we might not have shit like private party, and uh, like some of these these teams that you have now. Like what's the one on uh, on NXT? It's like the the um, the 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 two dudes. Shit, what's their name? I, I forgot their name. The only one I remember is like private party because I, I, if I watch anything now, it's mainly AEW. But it's like a lot of those tag teams can trace you know their their roots back to Harlem Heat. Uh, so do you do you agree with the fourth one, or do you have anybody else better? I don't know if I could come up with one better than Harlem Heat because, like, I don't think you can put the Dudleys in there, and like Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express. Yeah, they're good tag teams, but, but we didn't watch that shit. Yeah, that know. was before our time, man. That was like seventies and early eighties and shit so when they were doing their thing. Mount Rushmore of tag teams. Whenever you go look at it, it's going to be. The Hardy Boys. Yeah, Team Extreme. Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian. The Road Warriors. The Road Warriors. Or Legion of Doom. Doom. Either (laughs) Either way. And the Harlem Heat. And the Harlem Heat, yeah. So that's what you're going to see. Now, single wrestlers. 
This one's going to be interesting. So, I think we can both agree that someone that has to be on this, just to get it out of the way, Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Austin has to be on there because of how much he helped the company in the Attitude Era. I think he has to be. And then my next pick, and I don't think can be very argued, is Shawn Michaels. Shawn? Yeah, I, I would I would say Shawn would belong on there. Now, one of the greatest in-ring performers, one of the best promo guys. Yeah. Now, one of the most influential of all time. We've talked about a bunch of different people over this. So we have two more people to put on there. The, my thought is is like you almost have to put Hulk Hogan on there, don't you? I think because of how much he he did to the business and the one industry. One of the fathers of, of yeah the industry, Hulk Hogan. Because like I he said, has the, to be on there. The first so eight right. WrestleManias were built around Hulk Hogan. So that's three people. So you have Stone Cold Steve Austin. You have HBAK 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 forty seven JKLOL. Oh yeah. We have HBA. <laughs> He's been drinking. HBK. HBK. The Heartbreak, Heartbreak Kid. Shawn Michaels. Mr. Ah. WrestleMania. Yeah, Mr. WrestleMania. And then we have Hulk Hogan. The immortal Hulk Hogan. So we have three people already on our Mount Rushmore. That means we have not on Mount Rushmore that we still have to consider. We don't have the Undertaker. Andre. Andre Undertaker. Andre the Giant. Our Macho Man Randy Savage, our Chris Jericho, you know all all these innovators, all these excellent people. Who Dusty, Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest promoters of all time, and I think that's where his Mount Rushmore might lie, because I don't think that one person could be Dusty. But if you're taking who's the greatest. Who's the Mount Rushmore of promoters? Dusty Rhodes is the first. Right. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. To me, like, I don't um, know. And my, and my fourth one, we might have to come to a consensus. On my fourth, I would take Undertaker because of how much he's meant to the business and the industry as a total. Because now how much he's meant to the WWE as a total, though. Well, he's meant everything to WWE. Because he was in WCW and he didn't really do anything. He left. what does he mean to all of wrestling? I, I think he's he's one of the most iconic people of all time. He can still sell WrestleMania. He still has like probably like one of the best like images and like t-shirt sales. He's always been able to sell merchandise. If we're going by sales and images, it's Andre the Giant well and the thing for me like and I'm not gonna say that Andre doesn't belong to be fourth I'd almost say that like you you probably can make an argument for realistically all three of them the one thing that I will say about Andre though is that Andre was a fucking spectacle the reason I think the Undertaker ended up taking some of that spectacle was because he was another giant dude that had the popularity but would Undertaker have been as big if Andre hadn't died in like the early nineties? That's the thing. If you're he you, took his popularity from. Is, if your only argument is what he's done for the WWE, because Stone Cold 
changed wrestling. Shawn For Michaels sure. made other people and other companies try to do what he does. Right. We even see it to this day. Look at how many people try to copy Shawn Michaels' style in ring. The Young Bucks is supposed to be one of the greatest modern day tag teams of all time. And basically they're just double Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it's so, not a bad formula to copy though, to be no, honest. I'm not saying it's bad, <laughs> but what I'm saying is Shawn Michaels we know is one of the most influential people in wrestling history. That's why he has to be on the list. And we're not saying that has to be Bret Hart there. Right. Uh, in a different timeline, in a different universe, it might have been Brett. Diverged from Brett, and now we have like a submission verse, right? In this alternate timeline, but we didn't get that. We got the Sean verse, which is crazy stunts, super kicks, uh, crazy stunts and super kicks. That's what we got. That's in the this, Young Bucks. In this universe. Every That's day. fucking the Lucha Brothers. Zero miedo. No, none of that would exist without Shawn Michaels. We know that for a fact. Super kicks Promos and stunts, yeah. And uh, uh, main events and stuff like that wouldn't be the same without Stone Cold Steve Austin or Hogan. Hogan. Right. And we know that for a fact. There's no arguing it. You can't be like, oh, wrestling would be fine without Hogan. You're a liar. You're no. lying to yourself. You can hate the person, but you can't hate what he's done for wrestling. Right. Because he's done it and it's over with. He's already done it. He's they built eight WrestleManias in a row on Hulk Hogan. Eight WrestleManias were yeah. built on Hulk WCW Hogan. WCW alone, one of the biggest competitors, one of the greatest things, built their company based off of what Hulk Hogan did at the other company. Right, and built the NWO <laughs> around Hogan. A Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan built what the modern day... Hill is supposed to be. A lot of times they fell at it, but it's supposed <laughs> to be you going from being like this really goody goody character to this amazingly not even evil character, just amazingly like over charismatic character like Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Remember when they I tried mean, to do Hollywood Hollywood Rock? Yeah, the, he was Hollywood basically Rock, trying to copy Hogan. They, he was trying. Hollywood Rock failed. Because it wasn't Rock, Hogan. The Rock was supposed to be this most charismatic movie star ever. And he came back and he got in a rivalry with Bill Goldberg. Right. And he was supposed to be the the bad guy. Right. And he was trying to do the Hogan thing. And he couldn't convince the crowd that People he was People didn't hate him guy. enough. People Hogan hated Hollywood the, Hogan. People loved Hogan for, for 20 years. And then he went to Hogan and flipped it. That doesn't mean that The Rock succeeded and Hogan didn't. Actually, it means the opposite. It means Hogan succeeded, The Rock failed. Because he made Goldberg the bad guy, the guy that they were trying to push in the company. He <laughs> yeah. failed to help push him, and then Goldberg failed. Yeah, and just kind of left wrestling for yeah. like so, 15 years so, or whatever. So whatever you want to look at that, The Rock failed. Because he was supposed to be the bad guy, and he couldn't be it. Yeah. He failed. Oh, but, you know, you can, you can argue... Hogan could instantly go over and be like, let me tell you something, brother. And people were like, boo. And he's like, I don't care about that. You know, he was doing stuff like that over there. People literally threw garbage at him. And then people were like, oh, you know, and now in modern day, people are like, oh, CM Punk was so innovative. It's like, Hogan did that shit... 
fucking 20 years before CM Punk ever stepped foot in a ring. (laughs) Hogan was talking trash about his own people. Just like CM Punk was credited to do. So don't give that that, that that credit to CM Punk. That shit was Hogan. That's why CM Punk wasn't even in these any of these lists. And I love CM Punk, but he's not going to make this list. No. He's not going to make this list. So we're trying to decide who is the fourth person. Right. Now, Andre, the one thing that I will say about Andre was that he was always a spectacle and the fact that, like, in his early, like, when he was younger and his knees were still in good shape, he actually could wrestle pretty well. Like, but he was also one of those, like, personalities that, like, Vince knew with Andre, he was like, if I put enough behind this guy, I can sell any arena in the world. You remember when he had um, uh, Andre go over to Japan to, to wrestle the Japanese wrestlers? Like, he fought, like, Giant yeah. Baba and stuff? When Andre went to Japan, they sold every fucking arena that they went to because they were like, oh, Andre the Giant, he's awesome. He's fucking in Japan. This is great. You know, like everybody wanted to go see Andre when he came over to Japan. If he went to Europe, he could sell any fucking arena in Europe. He could sell any arena in the United States because people are like, oh, fucking Andre the Giant's wrestling. I got to go watch that shit. Yeah, he's respectable. But also... We also have people like Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, and it's so... This is the difficult thing about trying to put this down to, like, just four people. Because we're not talking about who won the most championships, who's... Because that would have been Flair, right? Who's technically the greatest of all time. Because when you're talking about wrestling, you're talking about the skill and the things that they brought to it. It's what what they added to the company, what they added to the business. And Flair was obviously a great draw, but I think the reason why he's considered to be the greatest of all time is because he was the winningest champion of all time. He was also the losingest champion of all time as well. To me, championship runs like when Stone Cold would have a belt for like a year or like a year and a few months or something. Or, you know, like Sean, when he first won the, the title in 96, like he had that title for like damn near a year, I think, before he lost it. You know, it's like, that's the thing. It's quality of runs and how much you can be the top guy in the company, put asses into seats and beat a crowd draw. Like, look at how many people would go to, uh, they would go to an event and buy Shawn Michaels shirts and stuff like that. Flair sold merchandise too. So did Andre. You know, like you, you, all these guys are great. Macho Man sold a fuck ton of merchandise. Like the hats and all the the cool stuff that they that they had for Macho Man, and it's like you could you can make a case for Macho too. So it's one of those things where you're like, but then you also have to look at like Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's had a career that's been like thirty something years, and at he's the top. yeah, he's and he and he's he, an innovator. Yeah, so I mean, it it's, it becomes difficult to find that fourth person because like the first three, you almost feel like kind of automatic. Sean, you can't deny Sean. You can't deny Stone Cold, and you, you, you can't deny Hogan. You you have uh, uh, Hogan, which is like the start. Uh, wrestling just wouldn't be what it is without Hogan. Right. Uh, you have Stone Cold, one of the greatest promoters of all time. One of the the people that changed. He 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 basically caught. 
uh, he was one of the reasons WCW started to go out of business. You can't have cause without effect, and uh, Stone Cold was the cause. Right. The effect was WCW closing. (laughs) Was uh, closing, and then what performance based, which which you see now, people trying and failing, and sometimes slightly succeeding, if you want to. You know, count like Darby the, Allen and stuff like that. The greatest in-ring performer of all time. All time. And if anybody wants to, to, to argue that, you, you just can't. No. There's no argument. Shawn Michaels is the greatest in-ring performer of all time. There's nobody that you can say, like, we're talking about a site, man. I'm just talking about the person that can do the most flips. Sure, there's people now that can do more flips than Shawn Michaels could. But there's no one. There's no one that's ever made matches excited. Like, fucking, you could put Shawn Michaels in a ring with with fucking, like, the lamest wrestler. <laughs> and you would be just like, oh, fuck, that's a five-star match. That's like a five-star. How the fuck did he get a five-star match out of D'Lo Brown? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, D'Lo Brown was like, <laughs> it was like D'Lo Brown's, like, trying to, like, roll into a frog splash. And then fucking Shawn Michaels pops up and fucking kicks him in the face. After a kick-up kick. or something, yeah. And then just be like, shit. Now you see everyone trying to do that because Shawn Michaels is one of the most copied people right. in all of wrestling. So he Randy Orton that. still tries to set up spots that look like shit Shawn Michaels would have done. Yeah, and Randy Orton would be on this list. But I need Randy Orton to retire before he can be on this list. For right. Real. I need him to retire first. So do you think that, that perhaps the fourth person could be Chris Jericho because of how long he's been in the business his his ability to adapt and he he's he's basically taken AEW and he's turned it into a legitimate competitor. I I He was one of the best people in WCW. I think the fourth person can be Chris Jericho and the reason why I think that is isn't because just because my love for Chris Jericho, but it's because of uh the 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 constant uh, innovation the innovation that he does the the changing of characters he's showing other people other wrestlers other upcoming wrestlers what wrestling can be to them yeah they can they can start at one point and then they can just keep going they can they can change their character as much as they want like you know mjf um you know he can he can start off like he's starting he can be a bad guy for as long as he wants to and then just all of a sudden, like, boom, good guy. Right. And then another year later, boom, bad guy. Still in company. Right. Boom, multiple champions. Go to another company, different personality. Come back to the same company, more championships, different personality. Right. Different music. Create also, your- creating match types while you're doing this. While you're creating match types, and then you're creating entire narratives. Because he's not part of the creative control of AEW, but Cody's kind of made it known that he's had input in matches that wasn't his own. Right. Like, where he's just like... And Tony Khan will say, like, he'll trust Jericho's judgment on a lot of ideas. And he'll just be like, yeah, you should have this happen. I'm not trying to make that happen. I'm just saying this is how you should handle that match. And they'll be like... You know what, Chris? Let's take his advice. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually pretty fucking brilliant. Like right. The, the the no calls of the 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 Darby Allen uh the 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 first Darby Allen match or whatever. Like I heard later, that was Chris Jericho that suggested that, that with the should, body bag thing. Yeah, like when he fought it Cody, actually win or lose, it should just kind of be like a dead match. Or time whatever. like there was the time limit draw, right? Yeah, the time limit draw where it's just like it should just be done. 
And then it was just like, they were like, and they debated it for a while. It's like, yeah, Chris might not know what he's talking about. And it's just like, no, actually, let's just do that. Yeah. Let's I mean, just do that because Chris is right. It should just be like, this should be a exciting match. He couldn't put Darby away. And then he can't put Darby away. And then you're just like, oh, shit, this Darby and, Allen and, might actually. And it worked. And it, it worked, worked because, because Darby is like, like one of their bigger yeah, stars now. People are like, man, this fucking Darby Allen dude went toe-to-toe with Cody. And Cody couldn't beat him. Yeah. And it's like, he couldn't beat Cody, but no one was expecting him to beat Cody. Yeah, but the fact that it went to the time limit, it's like, wow, he actually survived. Exactly. No one was expecting him to beat Cody. They were expecting Cody to beat him, and he didn't. Yep. So that, that was the smart thing. Jericho just slightly suggested it. And that's that's why, yeah, I think uh, he is kind of like a wrestling genius because he understands so much about the business, because he's wrestled in Japan, he's wrestled in Mexico, he's you know he came from Canada obviously, so he started there. He's wrestled in Europe, he's wrestled everywhere, and he has so many fucking good ideas that if people listen to him, because even Vince McMahon would say that like Jericho would give him suggestions, and he's like, well fuck, let's just run what Jericho told us. Yeah, and that's Vince McMahon doing that. Yeah, Vince McMahon respected (laughs) Jericho enough, like because he was so pissed. He wasn't a pissed initially whenever Jericho signed with AEW. He was pissed initially when AEW started whooping his ass. Right. And then he was like, "Fuck!" And then taking some ratings. He tried to call Jericho and say, "Will you come back?" And Jericho's like, "No, I'm under a contract, man." Yeah, I'm here for like three years. What basically? Right. Yeah. I'm and they and Tony Khan knew that uh, because I remember hearing in one of the uh, interviews where you know he was uh, he was on um, Jericho's podcast actually, and he was like he was like at what point did you know that you were starting to put together a roster that could really challenge and you were signing you know the talent that you needed to form an entirely new company and he was and he was like he was like as soon as i had as soon as i talked to you and i knew that i had an agreement and i had a contract ready for chris jericho he was like i think we can do this because he's like i've got kenny on board i've got cody i've got the bucks i've got a lot of people that are, are willing to sign on the line but he was like the crown jewel of making this work was getting you and he was like, well, he's like, I don't want to have that kind of an ego. And he was like, I'll have it for you. You know, because he was like, we built this company around you because we knew that you would be the crown jewel that we could be like, we have Chris Jericho and nobody else does, you know. And so, yeah. and, and that's the thing, like AEW will be forever known as the company that Jericho built from scratch. Yeah, and there's no denying that. It can go out of business in, in, in five years, but they're like, hey, how did AEW last 10 years? And it's like Chris Jericho. Yeah, because <laughs> of how much he helped that company yeah. start up but and it, uh, get also, big. it's not going out of business in five years. No, no, they're doing pretty well. I they're mean, doing great, and, uh, you know. Eventually, once they get to the point where, like, all this uh, pandemic shit starts to slow down and, you know, maybe I'll if AEW if AEW goes to Pensacola or they go to like Biloxi or something somewhere around here, it'd be cool to actually go see a live event. I don't know if we'd be able to afford a pay per view. I don't know, maybe with some stimulus money. Uh, but uh, it'd be nice to even just go to see like a dynamite. Like if they're like, hey, you know, uh, dynamite. You know, in like February or something's gonna be in Pensacola. It's like fuck. Let's go to Pensacola and go they watch might, Dynamite. They might do a pay per view in New Orleans or something like that. We yeah, that'd be pretty fun if they have like a big pay per view in New Orleans. That would be pretty fun. 
Um, but yeah, that's one of the things uh, that I think is, is going to make this this pretty good because you've got you've got Stone Cold, you got Hogan, you got Shawn Michaels, and uh, Chris Jericho. Chris yeah. Jericho, I think I agree. So I and think that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, this has been the Mount Rushmore edition of Beyond the Hate. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any like. Uh, um, disagreements or whatever. I mean, keep you got some hate comments and go fuck yourself. I mean, <laughs> you all you always email us at beyondthehateyahoo.com and and uh, uh, yeah, just uh, you know, um, be sure to rate us on iTunes. Five stars. Yeah, rate right. us five stars like the Stick five star frog splash. Your ass and... <laughs> no, I'm just, kidding. just give uh, us five stars like the five star frog splash from Rob Van Dam. Uh, but. Yeah, the original innovator of the frog splash. Um, and well, that's the reason why I think he ended up doing it was because it was a tribute to Eddie, right? Isn't that why he did that? Yeah, he ripped off Eddie. <laughs> he ripped off Eddie. It's a tribute to Eddie. <laughs> Stop being a dick, Stephen. That's kind uh, of like the remaster remake argument. Right. You're giving him a tribute. Yeah. And it's like, well, you kind of got famous off from it, so I think at that point it's not a tribute. You're ripping him off. Right. Hey, You're just kind of riding that's coattails. Just my personal opinion. Yeah. He did it pretty good. Though. But uh, but yeah uh, but yeah we're our, our shit's everywhere like we're on um, Stitcher and Spotify and like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcast, Anchor, uh, fucking it's all over the place. I can't remember how many platforms we're on, but we're basically on everything that's not stupid. So, so everything <laughs> but SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, SoundCloud can get fucked with the biggest of dildos yeah we're not we don't give a fuck about soundcloud they ripped us off and took our fucking money and didn't promote us worth the fuck so fuck soundcloud yeah we're not mumble rappers so we don't go on SoundCloud. we don't go on soundcloud yeah we're not little pump <laughs> little pump is that a real person that's a real dude yeah well will you guys just <laughs> give the knowledge of little pump a little pump yeah uh, little yachty Fucking Takashi Six Nine, all those ass clowns came from SoundCloud. I'm glad we're not there anymore because that place can get fucked. Yeah, we support so Anchor. If you guys want to <laughs> listen to some clown asses <laughs> and um, not ICP because those are actually good clown asses. Who has the better? Who has the best ass, Jay or Shaggy? Jay. Jay. Jay, Jay has the junk. Ass. Of the, he has that he fat has ass. Fat ass. He has that uh, too many fagos in one day kind of ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaggy's too scrawny. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He got that skinny ass. He's got that skinny ass. <laughs> We're going to leave it at that. <laughs> That's official. Right. Mount Rushmore of the ICP ass is Jay. Right. <laughs> Do we have outro music or are we just going to end this shit? I, I, uh, I feel like, hold on, let me. Should we play some ICP? I feel like I'm going to play some ICP to do some outro now. If you don't like ICP, then hey, I mean, ICP was in wrestling, whether you like it or not. Yeah. They was, were in WCW uh, for, hell, they were even it? part of the fucking uh, oddities, right? And uh, Attitude Era, WWF. Get the F out. Yeah, we want to put the F back in because when they had the F, that was when it was the good they, shit. They had a coup when they had the F. They, when they had the F and they actually gave a fuck, they gave an F. <laughs> they were pretty fucking good. Now Vince sits in his little fucking ivory tower up in Connecticut 
uh, or I think that's where the um, it is. Connecticut. It's, it's Connecticut, right, where the headquarters is. Yeah, the most boring place on earth. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, they he just sits up there now and just looks at his money. His ivory goddamn tower. <laughs> I'm Vince McMahon. God damn it. Yeah. Um, okay. You're play, fired. Play one of my favorite songs. Then we'll we'll do we'll do. This. We're gonna play some MyCP for the outro. Here you go. Yeah. That's uh, how you know it's a full wrestling episode because we have wrestling music. Uh, but we've also got ICP, who are um, you know wrestlers in their own right, as well as rappers. They're called idiot clown pussies. <laughs> idiot clown That's pussies. What else? ICP stands for right. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed. This has been Beyond the Hate, and we're gonna leave you with a little bit of. Uh, um. Hold on. Let me turn this down. <laughs> this is riveting. Everybody's just waiting to hear what the track's going to be. Okay. Before you drop the track on us. See you guys later. Peace. Good shit though. This this is one of the best tracks they ever made. It's Southwest Voodoo. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're millionaires. <laughs> right. They get rich off this shit. Who cares? Shit's for. But I can actually understand their lyrics. I can't understand little pump. Oh yeah, You're fucking like, Takashi six nine. Great thing about ICP, you can understand them. You can understand them. They're not mumble rappers.